0: Power Project crew, welcome to today's show. This episode was recorded on April 13th with one of our old school homies, Charles Brooke. Uh, Charles used to lift with Mark back in the day at one of the uh, previous iterations of the Super Training Gym. And uh, he joined us today because he is, I mean, the best way I can put this is he is a uh, professional smart guy. He does tons of experiments with uh, meat processing. Uh, He he knows the ins and outs of literally everything. As you guys will soon find out, you might want a notepad because there's some really big terms that are... Being used by Charles, but we asked him a bunch of weird questions like, "How long can you you know store meat is the uh, the quote like manager special date you know the use by. Is that really important? Is that just like a guideline? We asked him about you know raw milk, all kinds of good stuff, and we also talked about the coronavirus and whether or not that's going to impact our food supply, and his thoughts uh, just in whole about the uh, the whole COVID nineteen. So overall, a very informative episode. Once Charles was off air, we started chit chatting amongst ourselves, started talking about uh, workouts right now. Mark's you know his carnivore one hundred, and Sima and him seem to be t- doing a lot more. Car- since, you know, you don't really need any gym equipment to go outside and run. And I spoke about the lockdown from an introvert's point of view and how there's some things that we really, really need to be concerned about if you are more of a introvert type of person. Uh, I really hope you guys uh, understand where I'm coming from. Real quick, thank you to Piedmontese for sponsoring this episode. Uh, we talked a lot about meat and um, hopefully it doesn't deter, or deter you guys from wanting to d- eat more meat because we did talk a little bit about like food poisoning and you know some of the nastiness of that. However, the absolute best way to get the best meat is just to have it delivered straight to your door and that's what Certified Piedmontese does. In a previous episode with Dr. Drew, uh, I apologize if you guys, heard my dogs going nuts but somebody was at the door and it was actually the delivery guy dropping off a brand new package of certified Piedmontese beef so I'm really excited for that because my birthday is coming up and I'm going to cook up uh, a tomahawk ribeye on my smoker it's going to be awesome really excited for that so thank you Piedmontese for that and if you guys were following my cut at the end of last year I really really leaned on certified Piedmontese beef it has higher protein less fat cooks faster and it just flat out Tastes better than anything ever. It is that damn good. Please head over to Piedmontese.com. That's P I E D M O N T E S E.com at checkout. Enter promo code PowerProject for 25% off your order. And if your order is $99 or more, you get free two day shipping. Please check out the Jackton Tan Box and the PowerProject Deluxe Bundle. I highly recommend both. You will not be disappointed in either one of them, but really, you won't be disappointed with anything on the entire website. Uh, again, links in the uh, YouTube description and I iTunes show notes. Please check that out. And lastly, Mark Bell is still giving away a free 30-day trial of MarkBell.com. MarkBell.com is where Mark posts his uh, daily workouts every single day. You gain access to that for absolutely nothing right now. MarkBell.com, that's where it is. Uh, MarkBellSlingshot.com, 20% off any slingshot and hip circle combo. Again, that's any slingshot of your choice, any hip circle of your choice. Throw that in your cart. At checkout, you're going to receive 20% off. Thank you for checking out this episode. If you guys like what you're you're hearing, uh, please reach out to us. At Mark Wells Power Project on Instagram. Let us know what you guys think. And uh, for now, enjoy the show. Mark, what's the best way to describe um, Charles to Ensema? I was trying to. I'm like, he's just, he's really smart. Works at UC Davis, I think with like cows and shit like that, something like that.
1: He's a, uh, he'll explain it to us better than what I can explain, but he's a microbiologist, basically. And the cool thing is, he's gotten into so many different he's gotten into so many different uh, lines of work mm-hmm. so i mean he he knows everything from you know how cows digest grass from beginning to end all the way through to um he'll t- he'll speak a lot today one of the great one of the reasons why we have him on today is because um he is one of the few people that i know who's physically talked to like the fda about our food supply and you know, for a little bit there, people were going a little crazy with their shopping, and I think maybe people are still pretty scared. And um, he'll be able to uh, give us better answers and, and more information on, you know, what, what we can expect from our food supply if things continue the way that they continue, and and things like that. But yeah, he'll. In addition to that, you know, he's a good friend. He's also a um, a strongman competitor. That's you know, cool. and so, like, I, I, I always am fascinated by the people that are out there doing and participating, um, in, in everything. You know, like they're participating in all lines of, uh, anything that can get you better, they're participating in. And I, I love that. That's why we have guys on here like Daniel Arego, who, you know, is not only, studying this stuff nonstop but he's also uh lifting you know, he was in there training with Mike O'Hearn at 4 a.m and stuff like mm-hmm. that and I, I i place a great deal of value on that to me that um that matters a lot so you know keep in mind and i'm sure that charles will cover all his tracks because he is so scientific he's not a, a virologist he's not a uh immunologist which is what people keep referencing you know they'll tell me that i'm not uh, one of those people, and um, it's uh, definitely news to me because I remember going to school for eight years for to become a to have a PhD in vi- virology. You don't need to go to school for anything in particular to have a voice on this. I think I've had a few people comment and say, like that they personally aren't saying anything about what's going on um, because they don't feel like they have a voice because they don't, they don't feel like they're a scientist. And I just said, I think you're living under a misconception that anyone can speak about this. Um, our, our kids should be talking about this. Our kids should have um, ideas and thoughts about this This is a very serious topic. A lot of people are dying and we need to make sense of it as quickly as possible. And the, the fastest route is always to find the, you know, find the level at which the problem exists. And the only way to, pro- the only way to f- find that is through, um, is through asking a lot of questions, is through, and also errors, having a lot of failure. So, um, I, I would put myself up against any of the leading researchers or scientists in the world because the information that I have, um, I could say one thing, they could say another, and there's a 50 50 chance that one of us is right you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we're, we're either, we either need to get back to work and we need to embrace this kind of herd immunity uh, or we need to continue to, you know, have shelter in place. And there is the third option of of perhaps mingling the two things together. And that might be the, the uh, ultimate answer, but how foolish of us if we just sat back and just continued to sit on our hands, because my question to everybody is this. My question is, how long would you have to sit in your house for before you start asking questions like I do, <laughs> you know, like the questions that I'm asking right now, how, lo- how long do you need to be locked up for? Cause you know, we, we've been on this kind of like lockdown only for a handful of days. Really. It really hasn't been that bad. Um, but what if it continues for three more weeks? What if it continues for three more months? What if it continues for three more years? Are you going to just continue to sit on your hands and, and, I think there's a lot of things that ha- have happened in this country that people people uh, don't want to openly talk about but all the men all the all the people that died in something like World War II I ca- I can't think of people that would say that that wasn't worth it. There's a lot of deaths that happened in World War II. A lot of American soldiers lost their lives but we also got rid of fucking Hitler, (laughs) you know, we got rid of some, and you can kind of argue back and forth on on what we got rid of or didn't get rid of, or whether you think war is useful or whatever. Like I, I'm not a fan of war, but we have conflict. And so therefore it happens and therefore it may be necessary because you can't resolve the conflict. So, you know, and you can't have somebody acting like a maniac, like Hitler. Right. But I think, you know, it's, and I'm not saying that we just all of a sudden go back to doing everything that we normally do. And we fucking try to kill everybody with the coronavirus either. I'm saying that we, we go back in a responsible way and with the information that we have, keep ourselves clean, practice some social distancing, but let's get, let's get back to fucking work. And let's, let's just say the numbers spiked again a little bit. Could you pull back and could you kind of say, all right, well, we tried that and we got fucking smacked in the face for it. We, we should, you know, we made, we made it, we made an error, but you have to make errors quickly.
2: Well, but you can't, you literally can't just let someone with a differing opinion, have something to say. And, and the whole idea of, oh, don't give them a platform, get whoever you want a platform. People can come to their conclusions about what people are saying. It's so stupid to like, not even have a conversation
1: it really is foolish I, I you know over this kind of stuff I've lost you know 5,000 followers you know and you know I think that uh, I don't think that people have any fucking clue on what I'm doing and maybe maybe I don't know what I'm doing at times either but it's really just to prevent censorship like I don't want to be censored I'm not a conspiracy theorist I'm not going to you know start saying a bunch of weird crazy stuff just to like lose followers or have it be some sort of weird experiment but at the same time Um, I'm not afraid to voice my opinion and if it's slightly, even if it's to the, even if it slightly hurts my business, I'm not afraid of that. I'm, we make great products. We make great stuff. We offer a great service. And I don't think that, I think that if people were to think about this and to put this into perspective a little bit. I've had a few people say, Oh, I used to buy your products, but now I'm not or something like that. And that's fine. You know, if you want to associate me with the brand that much, that's okay. But then I would just call into question everything else that you purchase. (laughs) You're just unaware of what other people's actions are that own things because they don't want to fucking talk. They don't want to say anything. They're afraid. They're scared to lose that money. They're scared to lose your purchase. And you know, I've never been that way. So I think, it, I always find it interesting that at all the different turns of my uh, lifting and podcasting and all the different things I've gone through over the years, is I, I think there's only a small subset of people that realize that I've never changed, that I've been pretty much the exact same. Um, but for a lot of other people, the outsiders looking in that see me trying a CrossFit workout, trying, you know, going out and running. Um, They see me doing these different things and they're like, what, what is he doing? Why is he, why is he trying yoga? Why is he, you know, and they think I like uh, maybe have lost my mind. I'm just always in search of new things that are fun exciting and different that keep me, keep me motivated, keep me excited, keep me passionate about every single day. And also I want to learn about stuff and I want to try to find the truth and I want to try to make the best possible decisions for myself, for my family, for the people that work for us. And I also would love to take other people a- along that journey as well. And if they disagree with stuff, that's awesome. Because if, they, if they're going to disagree and we can have a conversation, then maybe I can start to see their side of it. Maybe I can say, you know what, actually, I want to you know, change my answer, as we've heard before on this podcast. Like that's, that's actually a brilliant thing. Anyone that can say they, they want to change their answer is probably a highly intelligent person.
0: Yeah, uh, just real quick, Mark. I never got a contact for uh, Charles.
2: Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cal Dietz. That, that was the Cal Dietz. I'd like to change my answer. <laughs> but like, no, it, it's... I think people need to be okay with being wrong sometimes. You know, that's why... I think that's why people keep their mouth shut so much because um, they're not sure if they're right. And that, that's fine. If, you, if you're not sure if you're right and you'd rather not speak on it, that's fine. But also, like... We're here just trying to figure it out and we might be wrong about certain things and that's okay. Um, that, that, that shouldn't be a problem at all, but there's something I want. Yeah. There's something I wanted to mention here. You know, the, the, one of the funny things I think has just been one of the funniest things since I've been on this podcast, I, I randomly see people um, put hate or be like, I'm unfollowing you. Cause you're a Trump supporter. <laughs> and I always, I always think that's the funniest thing because yo, I, I like guys think about this. I, i have never liked donald trump i thought he's a cool guy like he's a funny guy but i've never been like the biggest donald trump fan and just because mark says he likes donald trump that doesn't change my opinion on him as an individual you know what i mean like that that's like i i feel it's so weird to totally dismiss an individual's opinion because of the person that they like as the president you know what i mean like it's so absolutely retarded when when you when you said you like trump and you were making that never affected the way i looked at you as a human being or your opinions or your thoughts it's just
1: the people really drag yeah people really drag a lot of baggage in there and it, it wouldn't be any different if you said you preferred a ninja blender over a vitamix or a samsung phone over an iphone like we we all we joke about those things but i'm i would never like you know, hate somebody for it, or unfollow them because I, I noticed they had different color text or something from their phone. Yeah, it's, you know, it's um, yeah, people just they they pull a lot of emotion into everything, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy. It really is crazy. But that's why this that's why this podcast is so great. The people that are are open to listening to different conversations and different opinions are going to stick around. The individuals that don't want to listen to any other point of view. Can leave. <laughs> we're I also very much.
1: Up. We're also very much open to uh, you know talking to other people. So if you people that are listening right now, if you have people you want to throw our way, we will do our best to get in contact with them. We are you know trying to get in contact with more people. I feel that this is a really uh, relevant topic, and it, it's the it's the thing to talk about. You know, we're, there's a reason right now why we're not really talking a ton about squat, bench, and deadlift. Although those are our favorite things to do. Um, it's it's because this is the most relevant topic of our time and there's it's hard to even talk about anything else without being like oh wait what's going on with the virus you know how many people today how many you know how many people are recovering you know what's going on in this state like it's hard not to want to uh you know fo- follow the news and, and follow you know kind of what's going on mm-hmm
2: I have very good news, by the way. The client that I told you guys about in New York, he gave me uh, ability to say his name. His name is Chris Orr. So his sister who had corona, no symptoms at all. She was good. He's fully recovered. He had a bit of a cough, but he's pretty much fully recovered. His 50-something-year-old dad who's had mm. pneumonia, like a lot of pneumonia in the past and scarred lungs, he's having a little bit of a hard time, but he's over the hump and he's recovering. His mom who was on chemo who also had coronavirus is now fully recovered. And she was on chemo when she had the... The virus like they were really scared for her she's recovered um and yeah like the full family got it the full family's recovered so yeah
1: also people might want to check out um mike mutzel um he's he's putting out some information about how to get tested mm. um so if you want to if you want to check out some of his stuff i think maybe peter Itia has been talking about that a little bit as well um but you know that that might be an important thing is is to get tested and see if you have uh, built up the immunity because there's going to be my one of my things too is like there's going to be a point you know there's going to be a point where they do tell you hey go about your stuff you know but they're not going to just they're not going to like push a button and say hey everything's back to normal you're going to still have to make the best informed decision that you can possibly make. There he is. What's that? What's going on, buddy? How's it going? You guys hear me all right? Yeah, we hear you. Go. Oh, yeah. Perfect. What do you mean, like a boiler room or something over there? What's I'm going in, on? I'm
3: in my production office. <laughs> uh, I, get, I have to have two offices. i got one with all the management folks and one with all the production folks. So I get, don't have to scrub in and out all the time.
1: Hey, give us, uh, Charles, we, you know, we, we've had you on the podcast before, but give us a little background, um, some of your education, and then also kind of take us uh, into more modern day, like, like what you're doing for work nowadays.
3: Sure. Um, so uh, I started off actually as a strongman, um, competing pretty regularly there, um, and then decided to finish my education uh, up north in Chico. Got a master's degree in microbiology um, during that time I worked in a USDA certified meat processing plant um, and I did all the microbiology for uh, that that facility so um, meat carcass testing uh, water quality testing things like that everything that goes into having a certified product when it goes out the door um, i kind of took all that and then brought that in-house so we could do all the testing save some money um, and then teach the uh, college of agricultural students there uh, how to do it, mm. uh, and it was no big deal for for me because in microbi those those types of microbiological concepts are pretty pretty straightforward. But uh, you know, for agricultural students who don't have that science background, ah. you know, it was kind of rough. Um, did my master's thesis in uh, iron uh, iron bacteria, so iron oxidizing and reducing bacteria, um, and how they affect uh, heavy metals
1: mainly mercury and then uh, from like the, in, in the body or outside the body. What is that? Uh, in the environment. So I in studied, the environment. Got it. So
3: Estuarine ecosystems. So uh, uh, mostly in Bodega Bay actually uh, place downstream from what's called the Gambonini mercury mine. Um, most people think about, you know, mercury they think of the uh, foothills and like the uh, Sierra Nevadas, but actually to get the gold, out of the sierra nevada foothills we had to extract the mercury from the coast mm. so there was a bunch of mercury mines along the coast of here in california and they took that mercury and they used it to extract the gold in the foothills
1: maybe so, i am going crazy with all the mercury around here
3: <laughs> maybe um you know luckily luckily for the bodega bay uh, i mean that was that was deemed a super fun site up there and that's part of the uh, reason I was working on it was trying to figure out what the residual mercury levels were uh, downstream of that but you know not all mercury is bad Um, you know you could like my grandpa used to have a big you know little jar of mercury you stick your finger wiggle it around in there and it's all good you're not going to die but at the same time uh, if certain bacteria get a hold of it they methylate it and adding that methyl group to it allows it to move past the blood brain barrier And once it moves back into the blood-brain barrier, into the brain, it can concentrate there. And uh, that's when you get these neurotoxic effects of mercury that you see around, Mm -hmm. like the uh, classic signs of like Minamata Bay disease, uh, which was – that's like the hallmark of mercury poisoning. And that's where we really started to find out about it uh, back in like the 60s. So uh, from Chico studying that, doing a lot of work in estuaries and uh, – and on iron, I moved to managing a lab at UC Davis. Uh, so the systems, microbiology, and natural products group. Uh, we we're mainly uh, concerned with metagenomics, um, large omics platforms to try to discover new enzymes, um, how they can help break down biomass, uh, convert uh, you know recalcitrant fiber into usable carbohydrates and sugars. Um, and then we took a more you know, a holistic approach to microbiomes and how they interact with each other. Hmm. Um, and then our most, uh, probably the most hallmark study out of that right now, we've got we've got quite a few under review right now, some pretty large papers that are still, you know, collaborating on. Um, but right now, the biggest paper out of there was the uh, seaweed being fed to beef uh, <laughs> trial. Um, so, you know, we still get, I still get, you know, emails every day about, you know, what we did there, people trying to figure out, you know, is this going to be the new thing, or all cows going to get fed seaweed? Like, well, to be determined. I don't know. I sent that uh, uh, that tasting panel off. I don't know if you got a chance to go over there and try some. Um, my son was born like a day after that, so I wasn't mm-hmm. able to
1: go over there and try some of that seaweed beef. <laughs> so. Um, what's some of the deal with the seaweed beef?
3: So our, our main purpose was um, there had been some anecdotal evidence uh, before about uh, cows that were grown across the coastline. Um, they were getting into seaweeds for some reason. They, they seemed to be growing a little bit larger off less speed. Um, so they had increased feed efficiency and, you know, trying to understand that. I mean, that would be you know, every grower's dream. You know, obviously you want to feed your, cattle less and have them grow bigger uh, but really uh what it came down to is they started investigating all these different seaweeds and a specific one it's called uh, asparagopsis taxiformis um it's a red seaweed that right now they've mined it up they found it off the coast of australia but we've also found some off the coast of here california um it has a bioactive in it called bromomethane which is just a bromine with, with a bunch of hydrogens hydrated bromine um and what it does, we found, is since it's so similar to uh, methane, that it's actually inhibiting the methanogenesis pathway in rumen animals. So um, it's, we, in, in the lab, I, I built an artificial gut system um, to study this uh, on top of, course. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I mean, because we had one. But after using it for a, bu- you know, for a while, I hated it. It was a piece of shit. So I built one out of stainless steel, um, and we, I custom-fit everything, made it really easy to use. Uh, and I've got another study going on right now with you know, making sure that that one's all viable. But, um, the idea was that if we can inhibit methane production in the animal, methane was just a waste pathway. So you have, you know, the microorganisms in the cow gut are actually extremely, are extremely important for energy production. If we can inhibit methane production, you have all that energy that goes into making methane. You can shuttle into making other volatile fatty acids that the animal can actually use for energy and meat, you know, production of meat. So, uh, meat yield or uh, milk yield. Cause we did this in dairy cattle, actually. Uh, we did it in milk in beef cattle as well, but we started in dairy cattle. Um, so the lab bench results were pretty obvious right away. Um, we added this at like 1% or a feed and we eliminated methane from the animal, um, or from the uh, in vitro system. And so after we published that work, it was pretty obvious like, well, we got to do it in a bunch of cows, um, and so what I had sent you about that meat tasting panel, that was that was the culmination mm-hmm. of that. So um, they finally finished it. And I think they're still sifting through most of the data. I think it does look very promising. I mean, I think we were able to achieve. I don't think it's as a potent as a methane reducer in, in the animal than it is in the la, in the bench. Um, I think we're still going to get a very promising 25 to 30% reduction. Um, but what that translates into like meat yield is going to be you know, that that's where it's going to be interesting. That's where that's where you're going to get a farmer to say, "Hey, I can get X amount of more meat out of my beef." This is why I want to do this mm-hmm. um, because no one's going to want to go and try to find seaweed to feed their cows just because it's fun, you know. Um, unless they have an incentive and you know capital incentive to do so, it's you know it's pointless. So um, and then uh, I worked on a bunch of other projects at Davis, mainly metagenomics based. Did some play with some cyanobacteria from all over the world from extreme environments so things that grow in like pH, you know, three or four uh, acid baths and boiling hot springs and things like that. Um, Just culture them, see how they grow together uh, and then analyze the whole communities to see how they're interacting with each other. Um, But eventually the money runs out. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, you know, I was operating on a couple of grants, uh, fairly large grants for those projects. And then when we wrap those projects up, um you know there wasn't any like stark you know big gold nugget for me to stay um and say hey continue to you know plug away and manage this lab so um i took a position closer to my home managing a uh well actually i started in uh the sort of food safety and quality aspects of a big Trina facility um here in yuba city and uh after doing that for a couple of months, they seemed to like me pretty much, and so they made me the plant manager. So now I've been managing this plant for all season, hmm. uh, just trying to make sure nuts get out of their shell and
1: get in the bag. So you, you've done uh, you know, quite a bit of uh, research. You mentioned to me before that uh, at, at some point that your, your research, even though it was geared towards a specific, like one specific thing, it has also been used uh, by the opposition right? Like maybe they've used segments of some of your research and stuff. Can you speak about okay. that? Because I think a lot of that is probably what's going on right now with the COVID-19 stuff that we're seeing so many articles coming at us. Uh, it's hard to make sense of, uh, of what the hell's going on out there. So can you speak about that a little bit about how they took, you know, some of your research that, was, that found one thing, but then it was kind of used uh, to promote something else?
3: Yeah. Um, and that's always going to be the hard part with science, especially like sensational science, you know, cause it sounds, I mean, it sounds fun, you know, like, Hey, you fed seaweed to cows and like they don't make any more methane, um, but Save we the all planet exactly. No, no, hundred percent. And you know what? I think sustainability and efficiency are one, two sides of the same coin. I think if you can increase your, uh, sustainability, you should be able to increase your efficiency, but that was the goal, you know? Um, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, try to you know bait and say it wasn't but you know there's a lot of money in climate research right now there still has been as long as there's going to be this push there's going to be grant funding out there to try to you know fuel it but you know one of my main drives for working on the project is yeah I was I was interested in making more efficient beef uh, because if you have more efficient beef if you can make if you can you know make an end product meat or milk with less inputs isn't that the definition of sustainability I mean, you're using less to make more. Um, and so as far as using the specific semen, because personally, you can use, you can, we have the chemical, we can feed the chemical to the beef. Like bromoform, you can use an extract and you can do the same thing. You can wipe it out. But the problem is people aren't going to like that very much. Mm. It's the same reason we don't use you know, steroids in beef. Right? Like, why not? why not make a big ass animal? You know what I mean? Like if, I'm not worried. And that's that's where the science breaks down. It's like, I'm not worried about there being leftover, you know, test and some beef um, residual. If it makes it bigger on less food, who cares? Uh, but you're not, and then you see the same arguments with like GMOs and things like that, you know, you get from the same crowd, the same crowd that's, that says, I want to be I'm pro science. And I'm back by back the science. I'm like, yeah, but you make dumb ass decisions. <laughs> um, about you know what you want to give to your beef to make them grow, so um, that specific project, um, you know, we've been t- in touch with like Congress people and all kinds of stuff who are trying to um, you know utilize it. I mean, this was part of the Green New Deal. They wanted to push for you know uh, elimination of you know methane production from cattle, uh, you know, and the feasibility. And but the thing is, is, they used the data based on like the in in uh, in vitro trials. Not in vivo in vitro trials, to sustain that and we didn't even know if it worked in you know large-scale beef yet so they took that and said hey you can use a seaweed like let's do it I'm like yeah that's a great thought but but we need to make sure that this is actually functioning and then you can't just push that off on farmers and hair use it so it was a large effort I mean the Department of Energy reached out to us and they were interested because in, um, the Department of Energy is always looking out for you know, the next thing, one of the next things is going to be uh, non-terrestrial farming. So farming off the coast, you know, the United States has a very large coastline on you know both sides. So why not, you know, capitalize on that and grow something. Um, and one of the ideas was growing this red seaweed off the coast. Uh, but in order to do that, you'd have a huge infrastructure ramp, up, huge infrastructure investment, um, and we didn't, I mean, I, I don't think we had the data enough to support that at that time. Yeah, we had something, but it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to throw, you know, 10, you know, a billion dollars at this to see if it works. Uh, I want to make sure something works before I throw the money at it. Uh, there's
1: a lot of cows out here where I'm at. There's lots I'm, of cows. Yeah, I'm, I'm near the coast and it's, you know, there's there's some decent like beach stuff, but there's literally, there's cows everywhere up here. Yeah, big. well, it's, it's beautiful, great rangeland up there. Yeah.
3: And that's and that's the thing is because the uh, because the land is so fertile up there, you don't have to you don't have to spend a lot of money on you know feeding them. You just let them graze for the most of their life, and then you finally take them to a, a you know a finishing lot or you know keep as grass finished beef or whatever you um, whatever you need to do to make it make it profitable because that's what it's about. In the end of the day, it's profit. Right. So, uh, but yeah. Um, That was definitely, and I still get people pretty, they get pretty tuned up. And that's the thing is, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm in, I'm into sustainability. I think it definitely has a place in, you know, manufacturing and uh, agriculture for sure. As long as the end end result is reasonable. I mean, um, and implementation is reasonable. Uh, But people get mad at me still today. Like you're a fucking idiot. Why are you trying to feed seaweed to beef? (laughs) If beef were meant to eat seaweed, they'd be in the sea. That's a literal, that's a, that's a verbatim comment that's coming. Um, mm. so at the same time, i like, what, well, you know, sorry, like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't make the rules.
1: I just did the science. Yeah. Do you uh, think there's a, uh, do you think there's any reason at the moment for anyone to be fearful about our food supply? I mean, I'm not really sure, uh, where this came from, but everybody, you know, kind of freaked out and they bought a bunch of toilet paper and <laughs> a bunch of other stuff. Like is our food supply in question or. Because you're on the front lines of that
3: yeah so um no and i was on a conference call with the fda when this stuff all started rolling out um right now there seems to be no shortage i'll tell you what happened um i've been slammed like what happened was people panic bought everything it emptied the shelves so everyone pushed up their orders like we've got orders all year long to fulfill but everyone pushed up their orders, you know, two and three months to fulfill that. And I was like, well, you know, my million pound uh, April is now, you know, one and a half, one point three to one and a half million pounds. Or, uh, you know, just before that, we we were we were riding at a million pounds anyway, and everything just shot through the roof. So now we're trying to do everything we can to fulfill it um, because who cares when I get when we get paid for it? As long as the product's going out, I don't care. Um, so we're doing everything we can to try to keep up with demand. Um, and we got the products don't get me wrong um, what the problem is going to be if this continues is really what I've seen is going to be a uh, personnel issue um, you know whether or not we have the manpower to continue to operate mm-hmm. on a large scale in all these production facilities um, you know we had uh, like blue diamond um, had a you know positive result. Uh, a while back and they responded very aggressively. Um, then there's been some other food production facilities that have had positive results from some of their employees and Have had to respond in kind. So um, what it's not coming down to, like they're losing them due to the illness though. What's happening is people are, the federal government has made an incentive for them to not come to work. Mm. So now you have 10 days of emergency sick leave and then you have like 12 weeks of, uh, you know, family leave. So, you know, it's a, it's at a reduced pay, but, you know, um, you have all this federal compensation and the rules for taking it are very relaxed. If it, even if you're just scared to come to work, you can take it, you know. Um, and that's making a negative incentive for food manufacturing, you know, the production personnel for food manufacturing plants. Um, so every day that goes by this month is, a you know, is a good day for for me, um, as long as we have the people. But you know, for me, I don't have any tr- faith in the federal government at all. Um, I don't trust that they're gonna, you know, cut me a check in a timely manner. I know if I go to work, I'll get paid. So uh, that's what I've been trying to try to tell people. Like, obviously, the federal government doesn't have this under control. Uh, why would you trust them to send you a check? So
0: yeah have you guys um like has there been any thought to like food waste because i was just imagining like so many people buying like i don't know like all of the chicken breast in the store and then they realize oh man this doesn't taste as good as you know top ramen or something you know yeah so is that like a cause for concern for you guys
3: you know it's hard not for us because our our shelf life is so huge you know um but there are i know like uh, there are definitely shelf stable items coming from food manufacturing sites that aren't making it, so they're being wasted. Like onions are a large one right now. Um, onions, tomatoes, things like that. Things that typically go straight to like restaurants and things. Well, all the restaurants have you know decreased their capacity or they're not operating at all. So you have all this food that has no outlet. So largely, what's happening is they're ditching it into you know to, into compost because there's no outlet you know and they try to you can try to donate it but the problem is it's perishable mm-hmm. you know they're extremely perishable so trying to donate it in a timely manner that's difficult uh, you know so we're, we're definitely seeing that on the production side if things don't have that shelf stability we're definitely going to start to see some waste uh for meat nah you can freeze meat and that's good forever uh you know as long as you got a working freezer you'll be good to go I've been talking to, you know, so I I was just at the country butcher the other day. Um, and you know, they're fully stocked. They, there's always beef. Like the beef haven't stopped being made. They don't stop growing and they don't stop eating any chance of the animals getting sick. Not that I've, no, not that I've seen. I mean, it was a, it was a, a real extreme jump from, uh, you know, bats or wherever this came from, (laughs) um, (laughs) or the lab, who knows? Uh, to humans um, and it seems to be extremely stable as far as mutations are concerned so its ability to enter another animal um, would be would be a stretch i mean it's in mammals already but um, you know immune systems among mammals are are robustly different so um, i I don't see that happening i can't say that for sure but i the mutation rate of the thing is pretty low uh, which is extremely interesting
2: I might be totally off, but did last week or two weeks ago did we see some type of article of someone saying a tiger got corona, or was that a I'm joke? Pretty, I'm Is pretty that sure a Tiger
3: that, King joke? I'm pretty sure it's a Tiger King joke.
1: <laughs> I, I did I did see it come up on the actual news itself too, though, where where there was a tiger in captivity, where they were talking about it, but <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't see any more information about it. You know, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully it doesn't go, you know, yeah. running uh, yeah. rampant through. Uh, You know some of our animals. Animals,
3: yeah. Well, that would be you know if they had an animal reservoir, that would be a That would make it far worse because um, right now it doesn't really look like. I mean, it jumps from human to human very well, um, and it can move through the animal system. But it, I don't know if it's going to have the same. You know, what type of effect are we going to see on an animal? Like, is a tiger going to get pneumonia? <clears throat> if,
1: what are some um, of your honest opinions about it, and and maybe some of the opinions of your of your colleagues as well. Um.
3: And, you know, I'll try to be as reserved as possible, but, uh, you know, I see, I I think it's a little, it's a little over the top. I I want, I think we should be safe. You know, um, as a microbiologist, I try not to touch too many people anyway, but you know, people are pretty gross, but, uh, what you're seeing right now out in the, out in the supermarkets and stuff like that, that's fear. I mean, you're seeing fear manifest itself. Um, and people act without real reason. You know, when you see people wearing uh, you know, N95 masks and gloves to the store, but then holding on to their cell phone with their gloves, it doesn't make you know, not—it doesn't make sense. They don't understand what they're trying to do. Um, so I see, I mean, there's definitely a lot of fear in that. But I think we're going to start to see, like, this, uh, this, this study that came out of UCLA that's going to be published here in the next couple of days for this antibody testing of uh, just random individuals people who aren't even sick there seems to be a high rate of people that already have antibodies to this mm-hmm. so it's highly likely that this thing's moved through our healthy community fairly well and that you know this spike in that what we're seeing the spike in the vulnerable population is is just that as the spike in the vulnerable population also brought on by you know a ramp up in testing so i'm not i don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I'm downplaying it. I'm obviously, I mean, so I, I do know individuals who have been treating, um, you know, this virus on the front line that are confirmed cases. It's very serious in individuals that have these underlying conditions. Um, but is it any more serious than if these individuals would just come down with a bad case of pneumonia? That's the question. Um, the reason they're getting this pneumonia is because the virus is sending them into, you know immune system pretty much immune system overdrive cytokine storm and they're not able to react to you know regular bacterial pathogens normally Um, and i think that's why the hydroxychloroquine and the uh, z-pack are working so well because they're largely being used as anti-inflammatories so they're decreasing inflammation that's why they use it for uh like rheumatoid arthritis and stuff they use hydroxychloroquine for that as well um so they're just a decrease in inflammation I don't think it's really interacting with the virus itself at all. I think it's just decreasing inflammation to help the body recover. So um, I think the virus is real. I'm not going to say, like, uh, I know you had a guy on here who was just like, this shit's not real. (laughs) Uh, It's definitely real. I think it's just going to move through our community a lot differently. And, uh, you know, I think it's unfortunate that we've, what you're seeing around the world as far as people uh, just give up you know, civil liberties for you know the sake of safety. Um, I try to be pretty staunch in my, my views of people being free to do whatever they want. But when the federal government comes in and tells you, you can't, when your even your state local government comes in and tells you, you can't go to church. Or you can't, you know, can't go buy a gun or you can't go do this and that because of the virus. Well, fuck the virus. <laughs> so, uh, right. but as you know, from immunological standpoint, um, it seems – it seems. It doesn't look all that different. I mean, it dampens your immune system. it immune system has an overreaction. It leaves you open to bacterial infection. You know, uh, you have – you get pneumonia, and it seems to persist a little bit longer. So, uh, again, whether or not it's going to stick around, I don't think it's going to – it doesn't look seasonal. It doesn't look like it's going to mutate and come back. You know, it just depends on how long the antibodies last in the community. You know if you get it how long do your antibodies last usually they last for quite a long time you, know, you shouldn't have you shouldn't get it you know time and time again this is a novel corona type virus um, so there's no reason for them to be a, There's. it's not like there's a bunch of them like a bunch of rhinoviruses or uh, adenoviruses they're not like a ton of them it's it's a very novel um, jump of this coronavirus into humans so uh, it could be a one-off. I don't know unless they're making more.
2: (laughs) You know, I'm curious about this. You, you were talking about people able to take off work and they're getting a percentage of their pay, but they're getting incentivized to not come to work. Um, what percentage do you think? Like I'm, I don't know if it's different factories have different people leaving, but what percentage of workers do you think are just like not coming to work, um, because of all of this?
3: Well, it depends. It depends. It depends on what their position is their seasonality. Um, so a lot of, you know, food production is is definitely seasonal. Um, so you have a lot of seasonal workers that come in and come out regularly. Um, and a lot of them are, you know, on the lower end of the pay scale, uh, as far as like what, you know, what their positions are. So, um, Unfortunately you're gonna see a lot of people cut out. You do see a lot of people staying. I will say that. There's a lot of people who are very adamant to stay in work. Um but there are some people that have been around for uh you know, a couple of weeks and then eh, um I'm not gonna I can't I don't know if I can coach you a percentage, but um it's also on part of like the employer to uh utilize this to make sure everyone else stays safe. So part of our you know GMP guidelines, so good manufacturing practice guidelines, if someone looks sick, you send them home, right? Now, if someone looks sick, they go home for like a week. <laughs> so, um, and but that's part of the emergency sick leave uh, program. Is if we send them home because they look sick, then, you know that's part of it. You know, they get to they get to utilize those uh, those benefits, and make sure they continue to be paid. Um, so it's going to be a mixture of that. It's going to be a mixture of us of production facilities being overly cautious and then it's going to be a mixture of individuals taking advantage of what's coming out as far as unemployment is concerned, uh, medical leave, things like that. Um, and you're going to see what you're going to see people starting to just want to get laid off and go on unemployment because now the unemployment benefits like in California have jumped, you know, they tacked on an extra 600 bucks on top of those unemployment benefits. Mm. So, uh, really just pushing, pushing the envelope to make, you know, why work? Um, uh, why work if you could stay home and make the same?
1: Would uh would this be in your wheelhouse? Um, you know you hear people a lot of times and you're not really hearing about it quite as much. And it's also my understanding sometimes that happens at home as well. But um, you know I've I've heard many people talk about like food poisoning. you are like, oh man, I I must have, and they're not sure if they had the flu or if they had food poisoning or um. How does how does something like that happen? I mean, you can get as as gross as necessary, uh, but like how, how does how do things like this happen? Like what what is in our food? Is it you know, like, I guess it could be like not cooked properly or it could be contaminated with something uh, in your line of work. Like, you know, what have you been like? What do you look for and what's what are some practices to try to avoid stuff like that? Well,
3: um, so in the meat industry, it was very different than it is in the tree nut industry. Uh,
1: So tree nut industry per FISMA guidelines. Yeah, what are some some maybe straight up just like no-nos with like meat? You know, I hear some people say, they say leave your meat out, you know, for a a few hours so it gets like room temperature. You know, what what are some of the, and and how how long can our meat stay in the fridge and that kind of stuff?
3: I mean, um, (laughs) there's... Those are all very good questions. Um, so the idea first is to, uh, when you get your meat, you want to um, separate, chill, and then cook. So separate, chill, or freeze. Um, separate from what? Itself, each other. So if you get a big pack of chicken thighs, you want to open it up, separate it into usable portions, and then freeze it. You don't want to be thawing it and freezing it and thawing it and freezing it. So it's all about um It's going to be the level, uh, the temperature range, what we call the danger zone. So uh, once it's above a certain threshold for different products and different organisms, how long it can stay in that threshold for a certain amount of time before microorganisms begin to replicate or produce toxins. So for... There's so like take salmonella or salmonella, for instance, you go to some shady ass food truck and they didn't, you know, chill their chicken rye. And, you know, Andrew, everyone, cover your ears, Andrew. And, uh, <laughs> and everyone, I was
0: going to say, I feel attacked right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think everyone, a bunch of people got like food poisoning at a, this there was this, like CrossFit event. I, I went to oh. judging at and everyone ate a bunch of like chicken salad and it was just like, well, it could have been the greens but it's probably true um that's not to say i mean all chicken has salmonella on it treat it as such um but there's other like meat or so beef there's a high prevalence for e coli on it right um and depending on what your symptoms are, are going to dictate like what type of poisoning you've got so for salmonella if you ingest a bunch of salmonella salmonella grows in you, right, so you get salmone- salmonellosis. So uh, it'll last for a couple of days, and you'll have terrible diarrhea and things like that because the organism is growing in you, um, reproducing, and then you know fighting with your immune system. But E. coli is going to be different. So E. coli is going to grow on the surface of the meat, right? Because the microorganisms can't penetrate the tissue unless it's like all ground up, right? That's, you have the surface meat all introduced. But if it's going to grow on the surface, you have the whole muscle cut. It's going to grow on the surface. And that's why dry aging and things like that, they're typically okay if kept under proper conditions. Uh, you know, things can grow on there because you're going to scrape it off and you're going to burn it, right? So everything's going to die. But there are a couple instances uh, where any in e. coli can produce something like a heat-stable toxin, where, you know, it's a, it's a toxin that does not break down due to heat, it's very, it's incredibly strong, so it doesn't matter if you cook it, you know, to the correct tip, you know, one sixty-five, whatever, or rare, you know, one thirty-five, one forty-five. It doesn't matter. Um, that toxin, the microorganism might die, but the toxin load is already on the meat. So, those have a very different resemblance than something like salmonella salmonellosis. So, if you ingest that heat-stable toxin, you'll be sick within hours. You know, you'll, your body will you'll induce vomiting, diarrhea, things like that salmonellosis it might take 24 you know 36 hours before you start to feel that that's why you usually wake up the next day and you feel ill right you ate something bad yesterday morning and you wake up and you feel bad right? worst thing ever <laughs> right but if you eat something bad and you you know you know it it comes back up a couple hours later then you're talking about it in, you know it's, it's an intoxication against you know an infection right so, um, and, but you know, E. coli is very apt for beef because you take the skin off of beef. Beef skin's covered in shit. Like I don't care who. You, I mean, that's that's the way it is. You've seen beef. Like they're gross. Um, so you're trying to you know separate, eviscerate. So you're trying to separate the skin from the meat and trying not to get the you know, shit on it. So uh, there's other things that happen in a meat processing facility. Like you pressure wash the carcass. Uh, you spray wow. with acetic acid. To reduce the pH load so something nothing can grow um, and then if you keep it as a whole muscle cut then you can you know burn it and make sure it's all good to go uh, but like if you're going to grind it the microbiological requirements through USDA are far higher so your sampling protocol and your testing protocols are far more rigorous for like a, a ground beef than it is for just like a carcass Hmm. So, um, if you just have a carcass laying there, we do what's called like an N60 test. You take 60, uh, one inch cutting squares randomly throughout the carcass lot. Um, and then you enrich them and test them for, you know, E. coli and 57H or something like that. Um, but if you want to do ground beef, you have to do, uh, like 360 grams, um, before and after grind, um, of the same carcass lot you have tissue samples for. Now you have to test it after it's ground up. And then whoever buys that meat for their facility, they're probably going to test it too before they sell it. So it's tested at each chain. Uh, And any positives are automatically, generally automatically uh, sent to the uh, USDA or the FDA, depending on what what happens to the results. Typically beef is regulated by USDA, whereas everything else is regulated by the FDA. Uh, but there's like an online guidance system where, you know, positive hits automatically go. So they can trace that stuff back to where it came from. Uh, so, yeah, intoxication and infection is going to be very different. Uh, how, the, how they resemble or how they present. I mean, there's other terrible, terrible, you know, foodborne diseases uh, like Clostridium botulinum. Um, you know, that's a, a, a major issue. That's why you don't feed babies honey. Right.
2: So, so, why don't you feed babies honey?
3: So, Clostridium botulinum is a very common, uh, spore-forming organism um, that forms that is actually found in most honey. Um, and you can't heat process honey; you destroy it. So, all honey has the potential that you'll have a Clostridium botulinum spore. When you get older, you develop the immunity for those, uh, you know, Clostridium botulinum. And uh, your, your immune system can ward it off, can destroy it before it's a problem. It's, it's no problem at all. But those very, very few spores that may be found in there in a baby, they do not have the antibodies. They don't have the, uh, you know, the, the memory response in their immune system to attack that and break it down. Uh, so, I mean, small children will get botulism. Mm. So, um, you know, that's, that's not what you want. So botul- botulism is, is the opposite of tetanus right so instead of clostridium tetani you have clostridium botulinum tetanus is going to be you know extreme muscle contractions lock jaw things like that whereas clostridium botulinum is going to be uh, uh, extreme relaxation to the point where all your muscles relax and you can't breathe so um, right so um, you know two sides of the same coin same same organism family so uh, it's just how they how they act on the uh, acetylcholine receptors in your muscles, um,
1: about how long can you have uh, some meat in like your refrigerator
2: in the fridge,
1: yeah like you just bought yeah. it from the store you got like what three to three to six days or something like that
3: it depends on when it was processed it's it's right. that's that's difficult to say difficult to say yeah about.
1: like yeah, how long has it been sitting at the store and stuff like that right
3: exactly because there's sometimes you got stuff that aren't manager special that's gonna go bad in like two days <laughs> you better get of top of it. Um, so at the how, same time
2: was that how about okay so like on. Um- that question, but then also like with with Piedmontese, they send beef that's like packaged inside of these like these tightly plastic you know packages yeah, where backpack. it's like exactly can those sit longer than than what Mark's talking about too or no? Uh,
3: technically, technically yes, but it's going to be for a quality standpoint, not really a uh, microbiological standpoint. So the backpack is going to be reduced oxygen, of the packaging, so you don't get increased oxidation. Uh, oxidized meat, I mean, it's going to have a, a more metal-like taste. You know I mean, you're literally oxidizing the iron uh, in the meat, uh, the hemoglobin. So uh, not that there's, there's not really any blood in, in the uh, whole muscle cuts anymore. Most of what you're seeing is pigmented water. But, uh, I mean, there is going to be some oxidation. That's why sometimes you see meat that has like a green tinge on it. So when iron oxidizes, um, it does turn into, it has like a green. Huh.
1: So is that, is that what's happening when the, you have the meat uh, on top of each other? We were just talking about this more recently. And then sometimes you take the one piece off and the other one's like gray-ish
3: um, looking. It could be gray. That could just be uh, surface contact. Mostly in order to get oxidation, it has to be directly exposed to air. Oh, I got so it. That, so the, uh, the gray is actually might even be reduction of iron. So yeah, it's, about this, it's about this middle area. Once you start to oxidize iron too far, it starts to turn a bunch of different colors. Red the meat is confusing.
1: <laughs> it's like red. a banana. You unpeel it and all of a sudden it turns a different color. <laughs> so the red Monkeys red. are scratching red. their head all the time, right? But once it starts to oxidize too far,
3: then it starts to get green. Or if it gets reduced, it can be gray. And you can just see this on regular, like if you go into your barbell, um, you know, it's, it's the difference between like, a good a rust and a good patina so depending on how oxidized you know, this thing is I was, I've been restoring a barbell in my garage right now because I had to resurrect it from the dead because my gym shut um, but you know like trying to get that back to, to use and trying to get through the rust and all that so um, see the gas works well but anyways um, so it's definitely I would say by the time you get a piece of meat uh, if you're not going to cook it within five days you should freeze it um, and then once you thaw it, you should use it within within two to three days. Uh, that's that's going to be basic guidance. Um,
1: don't wash chicken. That's gross.
3: That's <laughs> like you mentioned.
1: Uh, go, go ahead. Why wouldn't you wash wash chicken? It splashes salmonella all over the place. Ah, okay. Yeah. So every
3: piece of chicken you have has salmonella.
1: All you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned a uh, pigment in the uh, meat it is yeah. uh, we've kind of heard. Conflicting evidence before, like is meat ever injected with anything to give it a certain color or anything like that?
3: Uh, salmon is salmon. Yeah, okay. Salmon most certainly is farm farm-raised salmon is white um, because they get that pigment from krill. Uh, but uh, farm-raised salmon aren't raised, you know, on natural krill, so they don't get that that red color. Um, beef does not. I'm, when I talk about pigment, I'm, I mean I'm talking about the actual hemoglobin uh, molecule. It you know, reflects red light. So, uh, just by the oxidation of iron in it. So, uh, no. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, back in the day, like way back in the day, back at like eight nineteen hundreds day, um, they used to grind up meat and mix it with like shoe polish and stuff, like red shoe polish, to make it look nice, bright and red. But that was before there were any rules. So. Um, but
0: yeah I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the good old days yeah. shine it up yeah just yeah. so uh, give me
3: some
0: of that shoe shine yeah yeah uh, you said uh you know people buying like the manager special with you know that has yeah. like a little bit quicker date um you know even when it's like something like milk right it's like the day of or maybe the day yesterday you're like ah should i should i, I should be okay um <laughs> the uh the date that says like freeze by or consume by is that like it or is that just like a really good uh, recommendation
3: it's, it's basic guidance um got it. and these are based on internal shelf life. you got you got at least five more days yeah <laughs> well i mean again it's it's going to be a variability because even, <laughs> i mean okay so you get sour milk <laughs> Ugh.
0: Yeah.
3: congratulations on your buttermilk um like, <laughs> so um <laughs> that's that's going to be the problem. There is a gray area, and it's about health. I mean, because milk is not sterile, right? Milk is pasteurized, mm-hmm. and pasteurization does not eliminate microorganisms. It just reduces the total microbial load. So, if you start off with a very high microbial load and you pasteurize them, well, the higher microbial load start off is going to uh, it's going to turn uh, sour faster. Right, than something that had uh, you know very low microbial load and was pasteurized that might stay good very for very uh, a much longer period of time mm-hmm. because we're trying to pasteurize them down into you know one two microorganisms two or three colony forming units uh, per gram and these are you know viable cells um, but I mean the the logarithmic scale of microorganisms they double you know so if you have four well all they need to do is double once you got eight and how long does that take you know if it takes and then if you're you know, like chugging it straight off the juice you know like right off the carton then all the the bacteria from your mouth are now in the carton too right so now you've introduced that microbial load and now you're going to increase that and you're going to start to it's going to start to turn faster when I was in college I did the go like I was on Gomat I drank a gallon milk a day so it didn't, it <laughs> didn't fucking matter right so because it doesn't matter that milk's going to get finished that day so I'm going to carry it around all day uh, yeah as long as I can drink it before they double to a you know a meaningful number, I'm all right. What about raw milk? Yeah, well, again, not pasteurized, right? So the question is going to be: Is what is the microbial load going into it? Um, and there are other methods of reducing microbial load. It's all going to be about cleanliness of the you know the udder when you when you're milking the animal. Um, there's a lot of things that people do.
1: I mean, I don't know if you've been been to a or a milking plant. You know, they torture. No, I've back. never. I've never had milk uh, straight up from the cow that I can remember. But my parents told me that they took me somewhere and I had it like you know, rape, right, rape right from the cow at some point. <laughs> yeah. But like, I've uh, I don't recall uh, what that's like or what that tastes like or anything.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, I, some people swear by it. They can only drink raw milk. Because pasteurization is going to change the protein structure for sure. Mm. Uh, So there's people that can't drink milk, but they can drink raw milk. Right. And again, it's going to be about it's going to be about how long does it take for those microorganisms to to flip, you know, to start turning back There's another part of that, uh, like for cheese, for instance, where you know, because not all microorganisms are bad. Right. They're they're okay. They're just trying to eat and make a living. Um, But for like some cheeses depending on the inherent microbiome of the milk or the, uh, or the cask that the, cheese, the milk sits in to make cheese, it may be able to outcompete whatever is in it. Um, and so those microorganisms or those pathogens can't grow. Um, so there's a, a, a play there. Um, and if those organisms that are inherent to that milk come into uh, the raw milk, then it may be okay for a little bit longer but again you still have microorganisms in the milk they're gonna double they're gonna eat it and they're gonna make acid because that's what they do they break down carbohydrates and make lactic acid or whatever uh, and then that's what you feel uh the sour since,
2: yeah since we're on the topic of milk here um I think Chris Bell's the one who told me about it uh, and he started drinking a lot of A2 milk and apparently he said it was, it helped his lactose intolerance. Why is it that A2 milk is so beneficial for people that have that? Do you, do you know?
3: Um, well, it may have, it may have less sugar. Uh, oh, okay. Or the sugars may be in the same confirmation that they were naturally in that your body has an enzyme to process. So what could be happening is that after pasteurization or after processing, um, it changes the conformation of the sugar. So your body's enzymes can't recognize it. Hmm. Whereas if you drink a raw milk or a different type of milk that hasn't been as processed, then your body may be able to recognize it. But lactose intolerance is in my opinion, less of a genetic thing and more of a conditioning thing. Because you would all know if you stop eating pizza for like a month, and then you eat pizza, you got a pizza intolerance too right like what's going to happen after you eat that pizza
2: oh big old <laughs> all hell breaks nasty <laughs> yeah
3: right. right but the same thing's going to happen with milk so like you said oh i'm lactose intolerant. It's like yeah because you drink milk like once every six months right but if you start very slow and you build that tolerance back up and you make your body understand that it's going to be producing this lactase enzyme more often it can ramp up to that it's just like or if you uh you know you eat like carb night Remember DH Kiefer's carb night mm-hmm. when yeah. like you go through it and you like you can't you know you're not eating like or 30 grams of carbs or less and then that carb night you chow down like you get it hard like sour patch kids all night mm-hmm. and then your body's like oh fuck I forgot how to make insulin and then <laughs> your blood your blood sugar skyrockets through the roof and then you go into a little bloody diabetic coma and you fall. <laughs> Like everyone here has experienced that yep. you know exactly what I'm talking about so um, you know it's about but if you after that like you do a little bit of carbs a little bit of carbs a little bit of carbs yeah carbs might make you tire, more tired because your blood sugar is higher because your body can't process the, you know, the carbs as effectively because does not insulin but it's not going to be as dramatic right you can get back to a point where you can eat pizza every day and not you know pass out or shoot your <laughs> Yeah.
1: Have you uh, personally tried the carnivore diet?
3: Uh, so I haven't yet. So I've been, um, you know, I've done keto. Um, I did for forever. Like I was just doing keto for forever. Anyway. Uh, I've done a lot of intermittent fasting. Um, I haven't switched all the way over to the carnivore. Sometimes I felt
1: like I was when I was, when I was keto. How does the, a- low- yeah, the low carb stuff uh, work for you um, doing strongman stuff? Does it work okay? It's fine because there's no
3: aerobic <laughs> work. <laughs> uh, uh, it depends on the contest. I won't say that. It depends on the contest. Um, like if there's going to be a lot of moving events, uh, then yeah, I might need some cards online. Um, but for the most part, Strongman is going to be very anaerobic. Um, yeah. As long as you have a good creatine level, uh, you should be pretty square. Uh, what I will say is, you know, I think every strong man out there does keto for like the week before a contest because they're trying to make weight. right? <laughs> and everyone knows that. I mean, that's the one way to make weight: you cut out carbs for a week and then you water those, right? Uh, and so it's unfortunate because that's what I see: uh, all these testimonials about like ketogenic guys, like I lost nine pounds in the first week. Like, fucker, what you did? <laughs> Of course you did. That's why everyone does it right before a contest because I'm gonna compete in that level weight class, uh, you know. But you know, I haven't tried the pure carnivore diet. I, like again, I I'm fairly certain that I've been there at one point or time or another when I was on when I was doing keto. It was like bad keto where you don't have enough fat um, because I was working at the, uh, the meat processing plant and it's very easy to just cut off a piece of meat or get some trim and throw it on like, a little skillet. Go for it. So that was that was every day, uh, and you do that early in the morning. And I was so i come in early in the morning to get these tests started, and I come in late in the afternoon to get these tests pulled out. And that's what you do: you go grab you know, a pack of sausage, you go grab uh, you know, some trimmed ribeye or whatever, or some ribeye trimmings, and you make a little meat
1: salad <laughs> are you able to do your uh, strongman stuff now or is it uh you know strongman is, is very particular with the types of apparatus and stuff you have do you, do you own some of your own stuff or how are oh, you yeah. getting it done
3: yeah i've been collecting garbage for i don't know 10 years so um i still it's all spread out though so when i uh moved to chico like I started collecting a lot more and then I uh, started hooking up with a bunch of other uh, guys who were interested in strongman and getting them trained up. And we all started competing together and stuff. Um, so now all my equipment is all spread throughout California um, because when I moved, I didn't take a lot with me, but put some of it at a Ron's gym, uh, Ironborne strength. Um, so some stuff's there, some stuff's at just people's houses. Now um, there's some at like a CrossFit box and Dixon um, and then still some in Chico. So, uh, you know, I've got what I need to continue to train right now. I've got, you know my i got one of those uh, competition beast metals racks where the hydraulic jacks failed. Uh, so I've got a set of those, just a bar every condition with a bunch of weights. So uh, I could do most of the things.
1: What do you like think's that? next, uh in terms of uh like where the country will go? You think um you think they'll kind of let some people go back to work, and they'll kind of roll things out in stages, or do you think maybe we will embrace like a herd in, herd immunity? Or you know, what are your thoughts?
3: You know, we're going to have to embrace herd immunity eventually. That's that's the only route forward. We I mean, because what we just live like this forever and hope that you know every last person you know doesn't get it. Live in fear of a goddamn RNA virus.
1: I've been hiding under my bed. Well. Yep. Your bed's
3: bigger than mine. So, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so as far as the country's decisions, it's hard to say, what you know, what they will say, they, um, you know, what they'll want to roll out or what their, their plan is to do. But, um, every day people lose jobs. And, you know, there's a direct correlation with, uh, of, you know, suicide with job loss. Um, you know, people get fearful regardless of the federal programs. If they don't know about the federal programs that are out there to protect them, we have people who you know, started businesses and now are forced to shut. They don't have six months of expenses, you know, built up to try to uh, strengthen their business along because their landlords aren't, you know, stopping rent. You know, they might defer them, but that's still, you know, months upon months of, you know, lost revenue. Uh, and especially for you know small business that are just getting started, like we you know and it caught us at the boom of the economy. Like it was never it was never a better time to you know get shit rolling. Um, and now you've seen people get their legs cut off from under them because they're deemed not essential. You, know, um, you know. me and me and mine, everything I do is essential because it's important to me and my family. So uh, you know, it's none of the federal government's business what I do on a daily basis. Um uh, They're going to have to start letting people out because otherwise they're going to start to revolt. We should have already started to revolt, (laughs) but uh, it's just going to get nastier and nastier as time goes on. Um, You know, movie theaters are going to be closed, restaurants are going to be closed. People want to get back to the resemblance of life. And what I'm seeing now already is, you know, because two weeks ago, people were literally wearing trash bags, gloves, and, you know, masks. That's no joke like wearing trash bags uh, mm-hmm. i can i can promise you all it doesn't it, it doesn't contract itself through skin it's the mucous membrane so you don't have to worry about it touching you um, and it dies on your skin within 20 minutes so just don't touch your face uh that's something we should get into later but uh or i can recap on after this but i think they're going to start to open it back up because a you know it's not going to want his legacy going into this election to be uh, not only did I build the biggest economy, I right handedly destroyed it. Like, yeah. no one wants that. Um, so, he's going to, I'm sure they're going to try to push to open it. But that's, those are the questions that people aren't really asking it's like, when, you know, what's the loss of life? Um, they're hard questions. And p- some people say, oh, no one lo- no one loss of life is worth it. Okay, but what about the guy who loses his job and commits suicide because he can't support his family? You know what I mean, was that worth it? Um, and you know, no one's willing to have that conversation. They're putting him in two separate boxes, but they're not. You know, that's all very connected. Uh, and I, you know, I hope that we can see that and then make some informed policy decisions based on that, right. uh, instead of putting our head on the
1: sand. So, very, very uh, well said. I agree.
3: But uh, one thing I did want to touch on was the, uh, so surface, surfaces. We've seen a lot of, um, there's been a lot of things published recently about how long this virus can survive on surfaces. Uh, and a lot of that is pre-peer review. So it has not been peer reviewed yet. It's been released under what's called like a bio archive or a med archive. Uh, and these are pre-print journals before uh, peer review so you're seeing these things being touted by like media about oh this virus can survive on X surface for seven days that's that's a really a really terrible misconception um, and when you look at the data and the science behind that um, I think that's a gross overestimation um, what people are doing is that they're you know having a deposit of the virus and then they're measuring how long it stays that how long the RNA is there? How long the RNA is there has no bearing on how long the virus is infectious, right? Just because the RNA is still there doesn't mean it can infect you. What they've been doing is they've been using uh, nucle- uh, so nucleotide based assays, so like PCR and stuff like that, instead of what they should be using, or plaque assays. So plaque assays are how you tell how many infectious viruses you have on uh, a load um, that that are still viable, and then you can determine like, okay, this virus needs X amount of virions in order to infect a person. So those studies take a longer period of time, and we don't have that data yet. So you know, people releasing like, oh, the the RNA stays on the surface for like seven days. Like that doesn't mean anything. there was research from like five years ago about other coronal viruses that are far more realistic. And because, you know, we weren't in a pandemic and the people weren't trying to get stuff published as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. So the data is likely far more reliable um, because they use these plaque assays and they weren't under this time stress crunch. So um, what you're seeing now and what the actual infectivity uh, length of time is, is likely half you know, in, most, in a lot of cases, it's way shorter uh, than what people are putting out now. Uh, and depending on the surface, you know, like uh, brass, copper, you know, the thing dies very quickly. Uh, you know, every couple hours, it, it has a half-life, so it decreases by half. You know, again, skin, 20 minutes. You know, you have, you have enzymes on your skin that kill, that break apart viruses. You have RNAs on your hands that destroy RNA. Um uh, and that's, I think that's also one of the reasons this has been such a pain in the butt to you know, study is because it's an RNA virus. RNA is very difficult to deal with instead of DNA. DNA is very strong. RNA sucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it also brings up uh, the point of, of staying healthy. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're staying healthy and your body is functioning the way that it's supposed to, um, it doesn't appear that this virus can do much to you you know, if right. you're, if if you're have a strong immunity and even in terms of your like mitochondria, isn't your mitochondria made up of RNA as well? Or am I way off on that?
3: Right. Well, it's made up of bacterial DNA. So uh, it's actually circular bacterial DNA. So mitochondria used to be bacteria. Mm. So that's why they have their own separate DNA. Um, so there's something that goes back. It's called endosymbiotic theory is when, you know, whatever, we were at, um, you know, millions of years ago before we evolved into whatever we are now. Um, we were like, hey, that's super tight. That little bug makes energy. I'm going to eat that. Or, you know, I'm going to try to get that apart of my cells. And they did. You know, we were able to successfully do that and incorporate that organism's DNA into ours. But when you look at it, it has all the hallmarks of a bacteria. You know, it has a double, you know, has a, a cell membrane. It has, uh, you know, in the internal uh, circular bacterial dna which is the hallmark of bacterial dna is circular whereas we have it in, in chromatin chromosomes uh, so all these different hallmarks of this this mitochondria are it's a separate dna uh, but i i don't i don't believe it's made of rna it may communicate in rna uh, as far as sending messages and things like that but uh yeah it, mitochondria are a fascinating little organism
2: you're right and, you know you, you You did mention something that I think um, a lot of people, because people are trying to take precautions. They're buying gloves, they're buying masks, they're having hand sanitizer in their cars. Um, Mm -hmm. But you mentioned seeing something funny in a grocery store. Someone had a glove on and they were using their phone and, you know, it defeats the purpose. So with that being said, what are the basic things that people probably aren't thinking about when they're trying to take these precautions with all of the different things that they have at home to try to keep themselves safe from this virus?
3: Yeah. um, So there's a lot of people staying inside, you know, um, first of all, I don't think that's a great thing. Outside is much bigger, right? <laughs> like you know, if you're inside with everyone else in your house, as long as everyone's, you know, well, that's okay, but you're all breathing the same air, go outside. You know, outside's much bigger land. Um but you know, another thing is you can't sanitize dirty hands. So I see a lot of people, you know, just put sanitizer on their hands. You know, if it, it's not going to be able to penetrate Dirt and grime and things like that, you have to make sure your hands are clean in order for sanitizer to effectively work. Um, and then there are uh, making sure that you're using approved sanitizers for this specific virus, right? There's a lot of, uh, you know, now they have a big list out because there was nothing approved for this virus. Um, and some of the common ones aren't, you know, aren't technically approved. They may work, but they might not be exactly approved. Uh, but anything you're going to be doing to make sure that common touch surfaces are cleaned regularly is going to definitely help. Uh, so, as far as wearing masks, reusing masks for a long period of time, not really great for you. You know, uh, hospitals are under droplet protocol and not aerosol protocol. So, droplet protocol is very different. Aerosol protocol requires N95s. Droplet protocols require just face coverings, right? But we've been overly cautious and very safe about using N95s, uh, and that's because we didn't know, right? We don't know that it's if it's if it's completely aerosol. Or if it's only droplet driven, it seems to be only droplet driven. That's what I've seen. Um, as all oh, you know. The doctors I've communicated with. That's what they're operating under the uh, under the guise of. If they have a ninety five mask, great. But if they don't, it's not going to keep them from treating the patient, right? They're going to use a different kind of covering, something like that. Uh, and then you know, just you have to be cognizant about again touching your mucous membranes, um, and then transporting, keeping your nails nice and trim because bacteria likes to hide under there. Uh, well, bacteria and viruses. So, uh, and then again, try to stay healthy. There's been uh, the there was some data on vitamin C, which wasn't very good. Uh, some people had uh, they tried to mega dose vitamin C on some sick people and made them worse. Uh, so that's not to say you shouldn't eat the mandarin orange or cutie, right? Because they're delicious and they have other things that are good for you. Uh, just don't mega dose, right? Don't think that mega dosing vitamins is the cure to cancer because I, I think people think that sometimes. Um, but yeah, again, as long as you can keep your your hand contact surfaces from introducing your mucous membranes, I think you're going to be all right. If you, as long as you clean and sanitize, you know, wash and sanitize your hands pretty regularly, you're going to be okay. And then give people prof- you know professional personal space right? Um, anything that any space that you would grant people in a professional setting for someone that you're just meeting or having a meeting with that type of personal space should be sufficient. Um, you know, as long as you're not, you know, you know not, as long as you're not getting Joe Biden on it and sniffing people's hair, like you're going to be far enough away that it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> so, uh, <but> again, <laughs> um, to maintain that social distance, uh, but you know for, for like here for facilities we've separated you know we, we've reduced shifts so there's they can maintain
1: the uh, distance from people sometimes women's hair smells really good though so
2: i don't right. know. it's got to give it a sniff a secret sniff yeah
1: right um, yeah you got to be more subtle what can you do <laughs> try not to do it on television
3: so <laughs> or at a podium like what can you do? um, <laughs> uh, um. But yeah those I mean those are the basics um, you know again make sure you're washing your hands make sure you know if you have hand sanitizer great but make sure you wash your hands. you wash your hands effectively the soap so in order to in order to dissolve the I'm uh, oh, sorry you hear my shell-er. Um, <laughs> the that production crew gets a little rowdy uh, so uh, as long as your soap is effective i mean you got a good lather it will break apart the caps of the virus and then you'll be left with raw rna right raw rna isn't infectious right the, the rna needs the virus capsule in order to help invade and infiltrate a cell so it can hijack your you know hijack your uh, cellular metabolism your cellular functions so um soap can
1: work make sure you're washing very well um just take care of yourself. Switching switching some gears here for a second. Um, what what are your thoughts on? Uh, you know, I, I've been seeing like some different people post some different carn, carnivore style uh, like memes and stuff like that, where it will say, you know, that if you have if you have kale, you know, has this amount of vitamins in it, but then you can only absorb this amount, but you know, from, a, from a cow or from a ruminant animal, it appears that you can absorb more. Um, and I've kind of been kind of saying this for a while and so to Stan efforting that we choose to eat those kinds of animals to get our vitamins and nutrients. Um, those, vi- those, uh, animals are, are eating vegetables for us in a sense. They're eating the greens for us. What are some of your thoughts on that?
3: You know, I, I just go back and look at the, you know, the body plan of a human, um, that digestive tract of a human being, um, And then the genetic repository we have, you know, do we have the genetics that enable us to break down uh, plants? Do we have the genetic repository to break down, you know, meat? And the answer is yes, we have the genetic repository to break down both. And we have the body plan that's built to predominantly uh, break down meat with vegetables. So, um, and that was, you know, when you look, think about evolutionarily, evolutionarily humans did not evolve in the, you know, wonderful, um, amazing. I'm going to go to the grocery store and buy as much meat as I physically can, put it in my freezer, and eat it every single day. That's not what happened. You know, we survived. You know, uh, so I think we, you know, we have a. Uh, there's, there's always misconception that human evolution was driven based on performance and it was has not been human evolution has been based on survival and how many kids you can have so um i would say the most optimal diet is the one that skyrockets your sperm count right so check (laughs) whatever diet if you can track that and you can figure out whatever diet that is that's probably the optimal diet right because or that's what you know humans have evolved for not to say that's optimal for performance um but that's what fitness is. Fitness is about you know procreation and moving the species along. It's not about who can run the fastest and who can you know jump the highest. Whether you know we use that as a tool to you know to weed out people and select mates, but at the same time it doesn't really have the exact bearing. So uh, I think you know our you know our large intestine, small intestine, our our, micro, our microbiome, the way it is, the way it is built, um, or the core microbiome at least seems to be function to break down low grade, uh, easily digestible fibers, not, you know, it's not like a ruminant that's built to digest, you know, very difficult to digest fibers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's built to break down easy, easy sugars. Um, like, uh, for instance, like croton, right. Um, like the whole leaf, whole leaf capsule. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like a dual effect, right? Cause it's a smooth muscle relaxer. It's an opio, you know, it's an op- in the opioid family, so it's a smooth muscle relaxer. So you're gonna you're gonna poop less, but you're also introducing a ground up leaf, right? Like into your. So if you're like me and you try to do everything over the top and take as much as that as you can in the day, right? You're not gonna have a great time. Um, you know, they, your your body can't break it down. So um, you know, personally, I'm uh, more of a fan of the the tincture and stuff like that, uh, the potion right more along, more along my guidelines uh, and it's you know especially like on a carnivore based diet if you're going to have the depletion of uh if you're going to have the depletion of your microbiome which is going to happen because you're not feeding them so you're going to have less of them so they're going to be even they're not going to be able to break down even they're going to be able to break down even less of the fiber you know i would say carnivore go with a potion <laughs> in that case because at that point you're all good uh, but I think the body plan for the humans is definitely it's split. I, I, you know, if we if we all we had was a stomach and a large intestine, there'd be no no problem. It, we they eat only meat, right? Um, but uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's the case. Right? Yeah, I agree
1: hundred percent with what you're saying. Even though I've been a huge proponent and huge fan of the carnivore diet, I mean it. It's quite obvious that we were made to eat additional things other than yeah. just meat, But once you, once you start going, you know, once you start veering off of uh kind of like what's natural to us, what's what's, what's here on this earth for us, yeah. uh, that's not, you know, massively, uh, produced or altered or messed with, uh, then I think that's when we, we probably start to maybe go down the wrong, maybe go down the wrong road, you know, so fish, chicken, pork, cow, buffalo, you know, elk, all that kind of stuff, and then you know you follow it up with some fruit and vegetables and your and may, maybe some potatoes and some rice and stuff like that and pretty much good to go.
3: right um, And again, in like potatoes for instance, yeah we weren't built to eat potatoes you know we, it took years of domestication and changing potatoes so they wouldn't kill us right and so all in most of the vegetables we see today like um, like broccoli, You know, broccoli, cauliflower, mustard, it's all the same damn plant. It's just been changed by humans time and time again, right? So if you're telling me that humans evolved to eat mustard seed, I doubt it. You know what I mean? But can we? Sure. Like, why not? Um, You know, there's a lot of great things in broccoli, like sulfur fans and things like that. But, uh, you know, whether or not the human body was built to eat broccoli, I don't think so. Because broccoli is a, you know broccoli was
1: engineered by humans through breeding mm. so could you say uh, the same thing about cows sure maybe not the cows you know. are old, they're older though right they've been around longer right right
3: and that's that's the difference about you know
1: breeds you know um it's like it's like dogs
3: right um if, if a wolf looked like you're like daisy you know <laughs> she'd be eaten or dead I don't know. Uh, That's not, that's not a great body plan for, you know, a hunter, um, unless they're hunting like mice and stuff, which she might, she might be a good, you know, tunnel rat. So, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, you definitely, we've domesticated cows to fit, to suit our needs and fit our basis. But at the same time, if you're, uh, again, the genetic body plan for a cow is very similar to what it was. So if you can Mm. feed the animal, what it's, you know, evolved to eat, over time and you can you know that end result should be very similar right so if you feed grass-fed grain you know free-range cattle um, that end result to have, you know, a cow a thousand years ago probably going to be the same
2: so you know you mentioned pork, actually, and a lot of people, um, are scared of the way pork is, like, there's some fear behind the way it's, it's, it's processed and put on shelves, um, and like undercooking pork in some cases. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because, like, honestly, I don't know. I, like, from all the ways you've talked about storing meat, I know I've broken those rules this past week. Yeah. I've done this so much, so many times. So I think my stomach is like I don't know. It can handle <laughs> things, but yeah. Can you talk to us about pork a little bit, please? Sure. Um, I think one of the main chains is that people are so
3: afraid to, uh, un- you know, they're afraid of over undercooking pork. I think that you could, uh, you know, spare a couple of degrees on pork, and the main concern for that was trichinosis. Um, from a, a parasite Trichinella, so um, which was very common in pork, and so if you undercooked that, then you could, you know, get trichinosis. Um, you know, that was for most of you. you know, that was before we have the domestication of pigs now, um, and then pig raising being in biosecure facilities. If You've ever been to a pig farm? That's what it is. It is a biosecure facility. You may not enter a, you know, a pig pin without having being decontaminated and you know checked in and you know register um, there is a huge uh, surge to try to protect the pork supply um, and a lot of, a lot of the other concerns that porks are very similar to humans and they can succumb to a lot of different illnesses it's not like you know you don't see a cow get sick <laughs> right Cattle doesn't get you know a virus and stuff like that cows are pretty robust you know they might have some uh uh issues with rumination you know ph things like that larger scale issues um, they might get infections in their skin or their hooves and things like that but cows don't really get very sick pork gets sick um, so you know cow or uh, pigs tend to get uh viruses they tend to get um you know parasites they're you know they're down on the ground they're pretty much scavengers um so as long as you're controlling their environment here in the U S port supply is extremely safe. Um, it's very robust, biosecure. Um, there's, I, I don't think there's any issue with the port supply here. Um, so I'm getting, I'm getting my knocked on to have my meetings here. So I might have to let you
1: guys go here in a few minutes, but yeah, I, you better, you better get, better get your ass back to work there, buddy. I know it so uh, it was great having you on the show uh where can people find you
3: uh you can find me so i'm on instagram white coat blue collar um or if you're interested and have any questions just shoot me an email at strongmanbrook.gmail.com um that's mostly it I, again i try to stay under the radar so people don't mm-hmm. find me uh, <laughs> but if you have questions shoot, feel free to shoot me an email something like that uh, real uh, quick
0: uh can yeah. you tell us what the hell spam is made out of and why it's so delicious
3: um i don't know they made that like a hundred years ago and they i think they're just shipping it so i don't think anyone knows the original recipe i think everything (laughs) now is still made from Um, but it's still good so that's why that's why it's so hard to find now Um, such a hot commodity and why i have no idea what's the (laughs) (laughs) spam. nobody seems to know yeah yeah that's okay (laughs) that's part of
1: his allure
0: yeah got i some, think so yeah got it's, some, it's a delicacy these days you know
1: yeah got some got some protein that's all you need to know all right charles thanks a lot man have a good rest of your day right on guys i appreciate it thanks you a lot hey you too. you too shit that was great yes it was
0: man professional smart guy that's yeah
2: amazing he hit up a lot of good points i thought You know, like real talk, I think, um, and potentially you guys may have too. I'm pretty sure I've built up some type of a gut immunity because I have eaten so much bad beef, man. Like I just cook it and I eat it and I I don't know. I think my stomach's used to bad beef.
0: Yeah, you guys definitely have a much stronger stomach than I do. But even with that said, I've developed a lot uh, stronger uh, gut, whatever you want to call it as well. Because I just know like in the past, like even like lately since we've been home, I've been able to cook eggs, you know, and before I had to have them scrambled or else, you know, it kind of, kind of get a little jacked up and then I could do like over medium and then I could do over easy. And now I'm doing sunny side up, like, you know, as runny eggs. as, wow. you know, as Yeah. And it's not like, I'm not like, I normally have really terrible gas and like, it's just, you can, it just smells like hard boiled eggs are shooting out of my butt. You know, it was bad. Ah. Now, <laughs> Not so much. So, you know, things are getting better. And I could just see your face the whole time when he was talking about uh, food poisoning and, you know, all this nastiness. Because so <laughs> I could see, like, some of the scenarios going through your head, like, oh, my God, I dropped that on the floor and then I just licked my fingers and ate it.
2: <laughs> Bruh, the amount of times that I do stuff like, the amount of, like, like I'll I'll take a pork belly out of the fryer and then, you know, I'll some of it will drop on the ground, but, oh caught it five seconds we're good eat it i think
0: everyone's having the realization now with just washing your hands because i know like just handling some of the uh, like the food that i prepare here at home it's kind of like that where i would like uh you know salt one side of the steak flip it over salt the other side i remember just like either wiping my hands with like a like a napkin or just like running them under like the water for two seconds and then drying off and be like all right what else do we got you know and then putting my hands in other things and now i stop everything and i'm like Mm, no let's happy birthday to you know (laughs) do it for 20 seconds
1: i've always been a little grimy i think you know that i always have been a proponent of like you know sucking all the germs that you can (laughs) and let your let your uh let your body get used to it. but i you know i am washing my hands more but i mean i used to just not wash them at all you know, and some people might find that to be gross, but I I have some practices that I think people would think are disgusting. Anyway, just like the way I cook and stuff. I'm not going to like, I mean, I will wash my hands before I cook something. Um, that's pretty, you know, normal, but even like, uh, using like bacon grease or using fat that was previously in the pan and like stuff like that. I don't have any, I, I don't even, I don't even know if that's like, if it's not good, but like, I've just, I've been doing it for years and, It never, it never, uh, it doesn't seem to bother me. I mean, maybe it's how the food tastes
2: good. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, uh, you know, you you get your cast iron pan, all like gnarly and stuff like that. And it's good to have it kind of build some, some gunk up on there. Or even like my wife wipes down our, our skillet thing that we have. And I'm always like, Oh man, I had that perfect. Now I gotta like start over, (laughs) you know? And she's always spraying down the counter with like some sort of anti whatever and uh, I actually uh, I've never liked that stuff, e- even like uh, she has like, you know, smelly stuff everywhere in the house, you know, um, that are plugged into the fucking mm-hmm. wall. I, I unplug them all the time <laughs> I <unplug them laughs> and I like I put them somewhere else and she's like, God damn it. You unplug this thing again. I'm like, I can't deal with I can't deal with that smell of that stuff. She's like, it smells pretty. It smells good. I'm like, no, it's, I, it makes me crazy
0: yeah I, I can't walk anywhere near like a um a uh, bath and body works or something like that like that smell is just way too overbearing but uh in regards to like using like like bacon grease and stuff uh my father-in-law puts some of the bacon grease in with refried beans yeah it is insane it is, mm. insane. That's, it is so, so good. good yeah
1: he's just a genius
2: uh, that's he, all he's yeah he's really good at cooking he's, he's next level let me ask you guys if you did this as a teenager because i just remembered i don't do this anymore as an adult um but <sighs> so after you know you go take a dump wipe <laughs> i just be like oh good run out <laughs> Just run out the bathroom. Uh, Quick, quick thumb test. (laughs) No smell. (laughs) Run
1: out. Yeah, how much? How much poop could possibly be on there? No one's shaking and his hand anytime soon.
2: I don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore.
1: (laughs) That's great. (laughs) I was a teenager. I was young.
0: That's (laughs) terrible. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think we all do gross stuff, though. Like you you sniff something and then you just put it on. You're like, yeah, oh, this is probably good. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean? yeah. Or like eating, like we were talking about eating meat that's like old. Like how many times have you did you start eating something? You're like, okay, that definitely is a little bit off. And then you sniff it and it's still kind of off. And you're like, this is off. And you keep eating it. And you're like, uh fuck it <laughs> <laughs> too deep you just, yeah you just go through with it because you're like i don't want to waste this like what am i gonna do throw this out
0: yeah i do that with, with ground beef you know because like i'll cook like a, a big old you know amount so that way i can have like meals for the rest of the week or a couple days and then towards the end i'm just like like ah man it's right on the like okay i'm gonna eat it this last time and then that's it but then yeah you look at the tray like see what's left and just thinking man i don't want to waste that i will say though that when it comes to steaks if i if i can smell it a mile away i will not touch it Uh, yeah Yeah. and it sucks too because i seem to have like a pretty heightened sense for that so when stephanie is eating something i can be like don't touch that She's like what are you talking about i'm like that's spoiled like how do you know Steak sense is tingling (laughs) i'm like i can smell it from over here and you know by then it's already too uh, late she's halfway through
1: (laughs) Remember going to a restaurant? Like one of my most hated things is to send something back. You know, Mm -hmm. like I just I don't I don't know. Like you you should get what you pay. You know, you should you should get what you want. You know, so uh, there's a a lot of times where I've ordered steak and gotten chicken and just kept my mouth shut and just ate it because I'm just like I don't I don't want to bother anybody. You know, but I've gotten steak before where it's like, it's kind of clear that it's on its way out. You know, it's mm-hmm. like this, this one, this one's not intentionally aged. You know, this, this one is just like past its due date by a few days. And they were like, ah, just cook it a little extra. And this guy will be fine. or Throw some olive oil on there. And he won't, you know, he won't notice. And I remember at one restaurant in particular, I was like, um, I was like, there's just something doesn't taste right with this. And the lady was like, well, you ordered it medium rare. Right. And I was like, Yeah. No, no, that I was like the temperature, like the way it's cooked, it looks fine. But the the meat just, and I was trying to just like not say that the meat's old. I'm just like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't taste right. It's not appetizing. She's like, well, did you, did you order the right cut or something? Did you order the wrong thing? It's like, like all over me. And I was like, uh, no, I, I was like, it's a New York strip. That's the one I ordered, you know? And I was like, well, I was like, can I just get something different? And she's like, you know what? She's like in the kitchen. Sometimes they, they screw things up. She's like, I bet you someone I'm like, why, (laughs) why are we like, why are we blaming? Like, can I'm just not, I'm not happy with what you put in front of me. I would like to try to get something else. So can we just figure that out? And then also, if you're blaming the kitchen, like, I don't want to come here anymore. But first of mm-hmm. all, you're blaming me. I really don't want to come here. But if, if you're going to be blaming the kitchen, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that spot. That's where they mess up all the time because that's mm-hmm. what the uh, waitress told me last time. You know, And you're just like, can you just say, oh, my God, I'm sorry that you don't, you don't enjoy that. What, what can we do to, to help? Now, leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. God damn lady. (laughs) Yeah, that that's pretty bad.
0: Yeah. But I think my like heightened sense for like finding or sensing spoiled meat goes back to a time at a restaurant when I was a kid and I had ordered some like some ribs or maybe the little riblets. And within my first bite I'm like, Nope, these are bad and then my dad's like you know of course this, this will tell you a lot about who my dad is you know he's like quick and plain and just eat it i'm like no dad like this is gross like i need to send them back and he's like you're not sending those back you're gonna eat it i'm like i'm not gonna like and then my mom you know she smells the plate. She's like ooh, yeah those are not good and my dad's like fine take mine and i don't remember what he had but he gave me his plate and he's like i'll eat him Dude, he was so sick the next day, but he was not willing to admit that like I was right and he was wrong. Mm. He's like, yeah, those are probably the worst ribs I've ever had. They were so spoiled. I'm like, why didn't you just say something in return? He's like, I'm not going to send them back. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude.
2: Let me ask you guys this, Mark and Andrew. Um, (laughs) For individuals that, you know, they're eating a steak and they don't really know what to taste for. Because honestly, I don't know if I could know if my steak is old. I think I'd just end up eating the whole thing to be perfectly honest, and be like, "Hmm, that was kind of interesting, but different." What do you, What do you look for on the palate? Like, what is what is the key?
0: I, I think I could smell it and tell you right away. But if I were to after
2: take, it's cooked or when it's raw, after it's cooked, definitely. Okay, yeah, I am sure if I
0: have tried, I could figure it out beforehand. Um, is this will sound weird because I've never taken a a, a bite of moldy like a moldy two by four. But it kind of reminds oh, me yeah. of that, like almost like a little bit of like
1: green. I think mold. I think mold is a good is a good word for it. It, it kind of tastes the way that some things that have gone foul smell, um, but but not like not not brutally bad. Like mm. not not like where you are like, oh my god, I am going to barf all over the place. It's just a small tinge. I forget what the taste is that they call that. It's it's, it's not mary or something or i forget what it's called but there's mm. there's like six taste buds or i mean i could be fucking all this up i don't remember but you know you got like Mommy? salt and sweet there you go that word oh okay so you have like salt and you got sweet and you have that that uh flavor profile as well and that's that's like age stuff that's blue cheese right mm. so blue cheese is is a perfect example of of that like if it if there's any resemblance of you know, and, and blue cheese stinks, right? You get it out of the package and fucking reeks. <laughs> so, um, if there's anything like that going on, that's that would be that would kind of be your your red flag right there.
0: Yeah, it's, it gotcha. usually follows the taste of like everything. So you take a bite of a steak, you get you know saltiness, you get like a little bit of meat, and then there's just something behind it where you're like, mm, like that that kind of hit me like like uh, when somebody like takes your air out of your stomach, you're like, ugh like what was that and you're like "Hmm, nope that's that's not normal
1: has a little wang to it
0: yes wang is perfect you know (laughs) because there there are times where it's like kind of like what i was saying how it's like has like that moldy like like just old bark even smell to it and then there's other times where it's like whoa that was a little sour like a little little twang you know like we just said
2: (laughs) yeah i'm about to go cook two uh two packets of ground beef
1: right now. oh and see i know uh, I know a little bit of what it's like too. Cause I remember you mentioning this before and this, this has happened to me as well. You had like a bad nitro one time, right? A bad nitro cold brew. Yeah. It was like real sour or something. And you just, you took a sip and you were like, that doesn't taste right. And you take another one and you're like, no, this is not right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and it's like cost you five bucks. So you're taking another sip, but you're just like, damn, something's just off. And that, that's kind of the only way to describe it. It's like, w- whatever normal properties it, it has, it's like, just off for whatever reason i
0: I love that you that we all can taste it but we're like hmm let me try again and you're like no it's
1: (laughs) definitely well what about when you invite someone else into it you're like hey man i'm like there's something wrong with this you got to smell this thing like and they come, someone else comes over and smells it and it stinks and then you got to invite someone else over to smell it and you got to invite someone else over to eat it it's like why do we need this big like consensus you know Mm (laughs) mm-hmm
0: yeah Yeah. at one of the restaurants that we went to when we were in la it like i i didn't know so like we got like one of those like whatever how many day aged steaks and towards the middle it was getting a little funky and i just remember like fuck like man i really because it it was like a it was like a tomahawk or something and it was it was really good on the outside but then towards the middle for some reason it started getting really funky and i'm just like like starting to get a little nauseous because like the wind was coming through and then like it would like <laughs> waft the air and like i said i'm just like hypersensitive to that and i was like Oof, like get this thing away from me this is not good oh man it's real bad
2: you know real quick switching gears. Yo, I just took a run the other day and my calves are dead. And this was a two, I don't know if I just told you, no, I didn't tell you guys. I told Andrew this morning, it was a two and a half mile run walk. And me and my girl, we were taking it easy, dude. It's not like we were going that hard. We were taking it easy the next day. And today my calves are on fire. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. just, uh, you know,
2: not just not,
1: not used to certain things. Right. And that's, that's why I've been trying to have a little bit longer progression. I'm sure I can make a lot faster progression with some of my, what, what I'm doing, but, uh, just really taking my time with it. I, I did some, uh, some stairs today and, uh, shit, man, that felt really good Threw on the weight vests again. And, um, basically just, you know, stairs, things like stairs, things like lunges, um, Anytime I'm able to get just a small break, um, in action, then, then I'm able to, I'm able to do pretty good. But when it's cyclical is when I do really, really poorly just cause I'm not, I'm not that good at that yet. And so, um, something like hitting the stairs up was perfect because, you know, it's, you're putting a lot of energy into, you know, one step at a time, you know, and then the way that these stairs are, they're, they're short, choppy steps. So I was taking like two at a time. And then as we got to the, the ones that are longer stretched, I kind of ran those a little bit. And by the time I walk back down, I'm recovered every time, you know, and it feels, it feels, feels great. It feels perfect. But like I'm saying with running, man, running is, is uh, running is brutal, but you know, I'm starting to like run these Hills a little bit more and that's starting to feel a little bit better. And it's, it's fun. Like it's an amazing feeling when you start getting better at something. And uh, that, that's kind of, i mean i'm enjoying it. i'm gonna run twice today i, I ran earlier i'm gonna run again just because i'm kind of having i'm having fun with it and i do need to hit up the weights but uh i figured it hasn't even really been that long since so i've done anything with weights it's not nearly as long as i think like in my head it's been three months you know but it's only been probably like six days or something you
0: know yeah is the uh, is the beach over there is it still open or did they cl- close it down
1: the beach is closed. Some of the trails and stuff are closed. There's actually a girl that's been, she's been running. So there's the golf course is like right here. And this golf course has like these like, little hills and then it's flat and then it has hills and it's flat. But you're not allowed to go on this golf course at all unless you're golfing. And um, you can't even like people get pissed. You can't even like cut through or they don't, they don't want you on the golf course at all for, for multiple reasons. I mean, they don't want you to get hit with a golf ball for one. Um, But also they just don't want, especially people that are, People that are renting here—they don't want them haphazardly running across the golf course and stuff like that. But there's obviously no golf going on right now, so this girl goes out there and runs every day, and she she gets yelled at every day by all these old people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, a, I, like an older person, or
1: there's some old, older people out here. Yeah, that are like trying to make her stop or whatever. And, and so I saw her walking um earlier today and i was like hey i was like I, I, were you, I said were you getting in trouble by those older people and she was like yeah she's like you know they don't they don't want me running on the golf course she said they're they, they said that i'm tearing up the golf course i'm like are you wearing like football cleats or something or and, and i said you know the funny thing is i bet you that none of those people even golf you know they just they just they have nothing better to do they're just like
2: cooped up in their house and are like
1: who's this young person out there running <laughs>
2: Get off my lawn, kid! Yeah, oh, man. Hey, you guys. You guys know what's cool though? Um, who's that guest that we have coming on soon? The guy that's the swimmer, um, and he like broke some record, and he's super jacked still. It's the British guy. Sure. Oh, 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 yeah, Edgley? Edgley. Edgley. Damn, oh, Ross, Edgley? Ross Edgley, mm-hmm. Ross Edgley yep. okay, so I think it's dope. First off, that number one, you're taking up running right now, and you're 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 maintaining good size. Um, and then yeah, Ross there's guys. Is he's super jacked his shoulders and his arms like everything's still all bubbly it doesn't make any sense but the the really dope thing is that i think a lot of lifters are scared of doing these types of activities because they're going to lose their gains and their muscle Mm. but we got all these examples of like um just athletes that are doing these cardio components and they're still pretty damn strong and they're still really jacked like you can do this stuff get healthier and still keep your muscle it's not going to waste away
1: You know what I compare it to a little bit is when women say, I I don't want to get too big, right? When women say, I don't want to get too big, because it's like, hey, you could work really hard, and it's going to be very difficult for you to get big. And I think the same is true with conditioning. It's like, if you're listening to this right now, and you're a 275-pound power lifter, it'll be hard for you to do conditioning work that's, that's hard enough that would like really negatively impact your muscle mass. And and I don't advise that anyway, like you should do stuff. That's um, like, if you're just not used to having your heart rate um, and and, uh, heart rate monitors, a a good, a good idea, especially if you just never done this kind of stuff before, but if you're not used to having your heart rate above 135 and more in like the 145 range for minutes at a time, then you need to take your time, getting used to it. And if you take your time, getting used to it, you're not going to lose muscle mass. but if you were just all of a sudden out of nowhere, be like, Hey, I I want to start running 10 miles a day. I think naturally your body would start to, you would, you would, you would just want to weigh less. It would just make more sense for you to figure out a way to eat a little bit less, but it doesn't even really mean that you have to lose muscle mass. I mean, I, I, and I, and I don't think anyone is going to, you know, automatically switch over to doing something so drastic. So I like what you said there because that is the truth of it. It's like if you're if you're throwing in a modest amount of of uh, extra activity and you're trying just to, we should all be training our heart, you know. It's just, uh, I did it throughout my powerlifting career. I always would drag the sled. I'd always do something like that. It's, it's just something I I got away from for a while, and I just wanted to kind of get back into it. And it's not like it's not like my heart wasn't training when I was doing some cardio training for bodybuilding. And it's not like it wasn't being trained when I'm lifting. It's just that this is specific. It, it's just way you guys know what I'm talking about. This is a way different thing when you are training with, with uh, specific intentions, but yeah, losing muscle mass. I don't think anyone has anything to really worry about that unless, unless you're a, a thinner athlete and you have, if, and if you have that base as a endurance athlete, Then you might be. It might be in your best interest to try to do more time stuff. Try to do stuff that's more uh, sprinting um, Mm. friendly. You know, more explosive stuff rather than uh, rather than the longer duration stuff. Because you're already used to the longer duration stuff, you're probably pretty efficient at it. And um, you know, if you want to try to hold hold on to some of that muscle mass, and I I just advise everybody to do a run walk because I think that's the simplest thing. You know, run and walk. And just prescribe it for yourself. You know, just say, I'm going to run. If you really suck at running, say, I'm going to run for 15 seconds. And then I'm going to walk for a minute. And then I'm going to run for 15 Repeat. You know, if you can do that 20 times on a, on a run walk, that's fantastic. You don't have to go fast. You don't have to be in a hurry. Just do as, as shitty as you need to do it. <laughs> just get it done and try to do a little bit better the next time
2: yeah we were doing like um like run the block walk the across the street run the block walk across the street and it was chill like we were sore but it was it was nice did
1: she try to take you out at all like at the knees or anything
2: she tried to kick you or anything no she didn't she didn't but um i like she i I had her keep pace so i had her maintaining the pace that she was able to maintain and i was acting like oh this is easy but i'll you know in the back of my head i was suffering too i kept my mouth closed but that was about that was about it i was still suffering <laughs> did you start
1: to like was it accumulative did you start to feel it a little bit more as you went
2: yeah like the when we would go on like longer durations of running then i'd start to feel like my knee my right knee a little bit but i think it's just because it hasn't been used like that in a while i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that after i do this for about another week because we're going to probably do it two times this week i'll feel much better but i would
1: say yeah. treat it treat it like a squat too, like play around with different foot positions. I've noticed like um I've made some mistakes in my like lifting where I've tried to like overcorrect something and it's not to my body's anatomy that well and then I and then I end up with uh shit gets like inflamed. So an example would be doing like a tricep push down or doing a, a a try an elbow or tricep extension with some dumbbells or something where you try to really force the elbows in a lot because that's the technique for the tricep extension. But you force the elbow in so much that you're that if you don't have the shoulder mobility to do that, then you're putting undue stress on the elbow. And then same thing with your running. If you're trying to adhere to some sort of idea of, what you think would be better form. You're trying to have your foot go completely straight forward or you're trying to bring your knees up. Anything that feels a little too unnatural, I I would ease off of and just try to let your legs just go, let them go wherever, wherever they want. And then you can work on efficiency, you know, as you do it for a longer period of time. Because I think the number one thing that kills people with running is... I mean, there's there's people running all different kinds of ways, right? But like, if you ever seen somebody like that runs in your neighborhood frequently, you're like, the fuck is that? <laughs> you're like, mm. what are they what are they doing? Like, it looks like they got shot, you know, oh. with a BB gun and the hamstring on on one side, you know, because they're like kind of inching along, kind of weird. So you want to make sure that you're not developing, you know, re- repetitive motion that's um, that's like unhealthy. But at the same time, you can't force something that's
2: not there. So you got to take your time with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna probably watch more running form videos because one thing that I do now that I didn't used to do in the past, and and I'm saying this because I think when I was playing soccer, when we would go on long runs, this was a bad habit that I didn't even realize, was the heel to toe. Like I would heel to toe strike on every single step, and as I'm looking into actual what like what runners say in terms of the way you should run. First off, like whenever I sprinted, I never sprinted heel to toe. It was always on like the 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 balls of my foot, mm-hmm. right? But when I would run at slower paces, it'd be heel, toe, heel, toe. And that's apparently really bad for you. Um, So at least the one thing that I was making sure that I was doing when we were running was keeping on the, you know, that padding on the ball of your, the ball of your foot. I was running on that and not letting my heel touch the ground. And that, oddly enough, that felt great. Like my knee isn't sore or anything, but when I would, when I would go for longer distances as we were running, there'd be a little bit of soreness in the knee that I'd be like, hmm, let's slow down now, or let's, let's start walking. Andrew, how's your neck?
0: Uh neck is progressing uh, pretty well. Um, like I, you guys know, like I crack it myself, and I haven't been able to even get close because like it was so stiff,
3: it's all stuck.
0: Yeah, but yesterday I was able to kind of like just like uh, get a couple of cracks on both sides, so it, it's better. Um, I've just been doing stuff on the treadmill. Oddly enough, uh run walks on there on accident. Uh, what I do is like I just I I select a um. It has different, different categories like run, walk. There is one that says run, walk. Oh. There's one that's running. There's this, there's this. And I like doing the hikes because it's at a, you know, it's usually a steady state. Yeah, at an incline, and then I had a podcast on, so I wasn't listening to the to the uh, the trainer. And so as we're going, like it just goes boop, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, I got to keep up. Like this is crazy, and like so it would slow down, and then it would take off again. And you know I'm like, ah, oh, bitch, come on. Like and <laughs> you know, Stephanie's like, hey, I'm like, no, I don't mean it like that. Like I know it's it's a female trainer, but that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm like more talking to myself because I'm upset that I got to run again. So. I've been doing that and it's been it's been going really well. And I noticed that I think Mark you were saying this, you're good walking and then you're good taking off, but kind of in the middle it's a little bit of a struggle. So when I'm walking at an incline at a pretty good pace, I'm dying and then the 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 incline will go down a little bit but the speed will go up a lot and I'm able to almost take a break while jogging and I don't know if that's because I'm cheating the, the treadmill you know like kind of just like jumping and letting the, the treadmill yeah. go on its own or if I just feel a little bit more comfortable in that range but whatever the case, uh, it's been feeling pretty good. Like I get off I and I'm just drenched yeah. in sweats, which is pretty rare for me because I don't really sweat too much. But, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in a hoodie. So when I get off, I feel very, uh, like, fulfilled. And I feel, you know, I, like the, uh, you know, when we leave the gym, how good you feel. I feel like that yeah. coming off of the treadmill. So I'm really grateful for that.
1: I think that's massively important to get to get sweaty, you know, for, for body composition. You know, if you look at um, the rock as a good example, I mean, that dude is wringing out his shirt every single day. You know, if you don't have some sort of component to your training that is keeping your heart rate elevated enough to where you're spending enough energy to the point where you're getting pretty sweaty. Like I I used to joke about it when I was doing my um, my bodybuilding show, I said, like I knew I was doing good when I got sweaty shins. When my shins started to get sweaty, I like knew I, I knew I was in business. And, that, and like, there's not a lot of other activities you could do cardio wise, uh, other than like, you know, doing a treadmill, <clears throat> a treadmill at a pretty good incline, or, you know, there, there's a lot of different exercises you can do, but it, what's hard is sometimes making yourself do it repetitively for a long enough period of time that you get sweaty like that. But again, I just, I really think that that's, I think that's hugely important that you, that you work that hard. I think that's when you start really tapping into. Um, just you're just trying. If you make your aerobic system better, you're, you're going to be healthier overall. We all know the benefits of lifting, and we're not going anywhere with our lifting, but we're always going to be doing that. But when it comes to that aerobic capacity, you can think about it this way. You build that aerobic base, and it can just give you a lot of access to a lot of other things, especially when you've already built up some strength.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And like I said, yeah, I just, I feel, I, I, I don't know, it's apples and oranges, but I feel as good, you know, mentally when I get off the treadmill after sweating a bunch as I would a, a really good lifting session. Yeah. And right now during this whole lockdown thing, that's something I definitely need. I've noticed that my creativity is kind of taking a back, like not a back seat, but it's taking a hit by staying indoors a lot. I didn't really... I couldn't figure out what was going on. I think maybe that's what's happening, but getting on the treadmill and then throwing on the podcast has definitely helped.
1: Trying to go for a walk would be a good idea. You know, we just had that podcast that popped up, you know, walking in nature. Um, I think that's, you know, an excellent thing. I I remember you saying before Andrew, that your neighborhood is like, it's just like, uh, pavement, you know, and it's like not the greatest spot to walk. So maybe you guys could drive somewhere where you're still practicing some social distancing and get out and, and, and get a good walk. What what I've learned with stuff like that is like for my family, it's like, um, yes, we could walk outside sometimes and go for a walk, especially here. Obviously here's like ideal for that, but where we live in Dixon isn't ideal, but I've learned that if I'm like, Hey, let's go, you know, we'll go to downtown Davis and we'll go for a walk. I mean, even still like, even with the lockdown and stuff we'd we'd still do stuff like that and going to my old house and, and walking on that trail you know so trying to find some it's like the kids aren't into it if you're like hey let's go outside and go for a walk they like won't do it you know but if i'm like hey let's you know let's drive over here and go this way it gives them a little extra a little extra motivation to do it
0: yeah and i know we don't want to promote not social distancing and not you know doing what you feel is helping but i mean if i can't for a second talk to my introverts out there it's something that i actually noticed in myself because i was joking around saying like oh like this lockdown is an introvert's holiday like this is great like i get to do more of what i've been wanting to do anyways however uh we did go out on easter and i remember feeling like a little like like man my stomach's like a little upset right now like what's going on and i think it was because the anxiety that i like have been fighting against is kind of, kind of come roaring back so if you could imagine let's let's take a uh, an addict of any kind or whatever let's we'll just say a drug addict and all of a sudden the government's like hey to save uh, the country you guys need to do all the drugs right now so it's like oh shit here we go however if you're a recovered addict And then all of a sudden you now are taking in the stuff that got you, you know, to this dark place. Now to try to get out of it is going to be another thing. So if anybody is listening and you kind of have been enjoying being, you know, locked down and cooped up, uh, I highly recommend just getting outside, even if it is for a 10 minute walk, because I noticed for myself that it is actually doing something to me. And I I don't know if it's because. I'm just more in tune with everything with myself because of like my health getting a little bit better now. But man, if, if you can, whatever it may be, like get outside, even if it's just for a little bit, because I noticed like when I went outside, I'm like, Oh my God, the outside world. Like this is scary. Don't know if I'm being a weenie about it, but I just, I just know that it's doing something to me.
1: Well, let's say that, you know, you, that you were going to do, you're like, Hey, I just feel like doing like a small workout. I'm going to do 10 pushups, 10 jumping jacks and 10 squats. And I'm going to repeat that for a couple of rounds for the, for 10 minutes, fucking do it outside. You know, go outside. You're, you're going to call somebody, get a phone call to make, you know, just, just get, you know, figure out a way to get yourself outside, get that sunlight. It's going to make a, a huge difference And any way that you can challenge yourself. Um, I think can can really help with uh, with creativity I mean a weird thing to a weird thing for some people just because like people probably don't practice it enough is just to sit down and write you know just sit down and write I, I did a bunch of stuff yesterday where I just was uh, talking to my into my voice recorder thing I was just it was just like thoughts it was just it was nothing you know it's not anything I'm gonna share with anybody or anything it was just like I said the date and I said where I, where I'm at and I said like, I talked about the exercises I'm doing. I talked about a couple other things, but it was just just kind of some randomness. But if you sit down and, and maybe even write, I just sit, sat down and just like wrote out a tentative schedule for myself the other day. I was like, hey, let's, let's try to do A, B, and C before noon every day, you know, because I wasn't doing my exercise in the morning. And I was doing it later in the day, which was fine. I was still getting it done and still working out really hard. I was like, well, if I get some exercise in early in the day, then I might be able to get two days in. So, you know, why not uh why not see if I can aim for that? So just like little things and I put in hundred squats, hundred push ups, the ten minute walks, the ten minute squat, which by the way I did ten minute squat today on a hill, which worked really good. Because remember I was telling you guys my, my heels don't wanna they don't wanna stay down on the ground, so I was on like a slight slant and that worked really good.
2: Were you facing down on the slant, like you were facing down on the slant, or up on the slant? Definitely. Um, Yes. Yes. Down. Yep. Down on the slant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that that's a weird thing that works
1: pretty well. Worked good. I love your Fresh Prince of Bel Air hat, by the way.
2: (laughs) It's Rugrats, man. But yeah, it is a '90s Fresh Prince theme. So yeah. Did you ever watch Rugrats? You did, Andrew. (laughs) I have. I I never did. No no but andrew i think you 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 touched on something that's super important like i feel like this quarantine is definitely if there's something that you were uh you know you were able to bring yourself above before this all happened uh and you're able to beat this is the time that that thing is going to rear its its ugly its ugly head and you got to be mindful of that and you got to you got to fight it off even harder than you did in the past so yeah
0: absolutely yeah
1: I saw a trippy ass movie last night. Um, I don't recall the name of it. I'm so bad with this, but it's, it basically, the guy doesn't, the guy doesn't know who he is. And uh, the the title of the movie is something along those lines. Like, like who am I or who am I really? Or something like that. It's a Netflix documentary. And it's about, it's about twin brothers. And I, I I want, I I would like you guys to see it. So I'm not going to, say too much about it but it is it's not it's not the best movie i've seen or anything like that but this this, the story is is the story is remarkable it really is it has a lot to do with like memory and stuff like that so i think you guys will dig it i'll try to find the exact name of it so that way (laughs) that way i can get you the right information on what to search but anyway it's a netflix documentary it's and it's um it's about two twins i think you guys would dig the story That sounds cool already it's it's hard though it's it's a fucking it's a hard it's a hard it's a hard watch after i like i sat there for a couple of minutes afterwards like just like emotionally fuck. yeah yeah it's tough yeah. it's tough it's a tough one it's pretty okay. brutal but it's good though it's really good all right, Andrew, take us out of here. We we need to do a perfect keto read, right? We didn't. I don't think we got to that.
0: We didn't get to it, but I think this is better suited for Piedmontese since we talked about all this meat.
1: Oh yeah, we did talk a lot about yeah, meats.
0: yeah. So we're switching things up. Um,
1: I got right back to my meat. By the way, I uh, ate a I was- bunch of Italian food. I smashed a bunch of Italian food. I had a. Uh, I had um, one of our guests comment on uh, comment on a uh, thing that I posted where I was like, Oh, I'm done with my hundred days. What do you guys want to see me eat? And so, um, uh, shit, what's his name? Supley. Um, God damn, I'm losing his first name. Ethan, Ethan. 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 Yeah, there we go. Ethan suggested he's, he he had, he had a very, something very specific, like only a true former fat guy would have. But anyway, I I went out and got some uh, Italian food, got some garlic bread and some, uh, parm, uh, chicken parm. And, uh, Uh A bunch of amazing, a uh, bunch of just ridiculously amazing stuff. Fr- fried, um, fried ravioli, enoki. That good. Like oh my god! All the stuff was just. It was, it was worth it. It was, it was really. You know, you get something sometimes on a cheat meal, and you're just like, man, that sucked. That wasn't that good. This was good. This was legit.
0: Yeah, I had to turn off the video because it was it was hurting my insides because I just wanted so to good. eat. Yeah, it looked really yeah. good.
1: But anyway, I went right back to it, you know, next next morning cooked up a uh, Piedmontese New York strip and uh back on that plan, back on that meat-based diet and as always, you know, the Piedmontese stuff cooks up quick and uh we don't know how they do it, but they they make their steaks somehow leaner than everybody else's steaks. I'm confused by that, but they figured out a way and then the steaks are still super tender and it's been amazing, you know, during this, you know, kind of lockdown period to have access. So I'm super grateful for them and and really appreciative of their product. But I think other people need to try it out too.
0: Yeah. I'm still hoping that they can make my dream come true with a three foot by three foot flat iron steak. That'd be, a, I mean, that's just a big old square. Yeah. Yeah. just the big old, big old, big old. Um, (laughs) And the other thing too, is they ship deliver. They deliver straight to your door. You don't have to go outside and deal with the uh, the lines, the social distancing. Just just kind of p- place your order, and then, boop, there you go. Shows up two days later. And that, of course, is at piedmontese.com. That's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com. At checkout, enter promo code POWERPROJECT for 25% off your order. And if your order is $99 or more, you get f- free ship two-day shipping. Ooh stumbled but anyway yeah check out the uh the jacked and tan box and the uh power project deluxe bundle get a tomahawk in that bad boy
3: Mm.
0: yeah that's what i plan on
2: having it was two days ago but my my girlfriend decided to finally just have one of them because she like she, she doesn't eat my steaks usually. So I let mistake. her have one and big mistake. No, nah, she first off she liked it, but she was like, you know, this steak doesn't feel like it's wasting anything. Like it just tastes like healthy for some mm. reason. And it, it's probably because of the lack of fat, but she's like, it just went down so much easier than other steaks I've had. And I like personally I've never really I don't know. I, I can kind of understand what she was saying there, but I can't wrap my head around it. it but, team,
1: I'm very yeah. disappointed in you because I think that you're slipping, man. Mm, in what way? Tell me. I don't think you should be sharing like things that are that good with her. You know what I mean? Trust me.
2: It's not going to happen again. If I can <laughs> say anything about it. Next time she does that, you need to tackle her ass. Just <laughs> <laughs> give her a quick, you know, smack room. It's no big deal. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh god no. It's
0: nope. falling apart okay. anyway thank you guys for checking out this episode uh, for links for piedmontese and or perfect keto make sure you guys check the itunes show notes or youtube uh, description uh, please make sure you're following the podcast at mark bell's power project at mb power project on tiktok and twitter my instagram is at iamandrewz Z. am trying to Dig back into all the DMs that I've received. I guess you can now uh, respond to people on uh, on a desktop. So hopefully, I can get back to doing that a little bit quicker. Uh, and Sema, where you be?
2: At In Inyang Yang on Instagram and YouTube. At In Inyang Yang on TikTok and Twitter. Mark at
1: Mark Smelly Bell. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. Catch you all later. Boosh.
2: Power Project
0: crew, thank you for checking out this episode with Charles Brooke. Uh, Thank you everybody that's been rating and reviewing the podcast. Right now, we want to give a huge shout out to Ox Raptor. Uh, We'll say Ox says, wealth of knowledge, quote, Oh, and he t- has like the hands up praising emoji. Uh, quote, Power Project, very motivating and informative with great guests. Short and sweet today because I got to get out of here. But thank you so much for that review, man. That seriously helps us out a ton. If you listen in right now, if you'd like to hear your name right on air, please head over to iTunes right now. Drop us a rating, a review, and you could hear your name on air just like our homie Ox Raptor. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.